This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's going on, everybody? A pleasant afternoon or evening if you're listening listening on the podcast. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. I'm your host, Andrew Hustler-Patterson, along with Michael Remus, back at the Winnipeg Sports Talk Control Center. And oh, we got a busy show today. Lots of great sports stories to kick off right off the top of the program. Some interesting social media contributions from members of the Winnipeg Jets. Cole Perfetti speaking earlier today after just a whirlwind season for the Jets first rounder from last summer. We've got some big news in the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Boston Bruins are out. The New York Islanders are moving on. And a huge game six tonight in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Sean Reynolds of Kenny and Rennie fame will join the program a little bit later on. Uh, and don't forget, if you're tuning with us live on YouTube right now, Kenny and Rennie have sort of moved the time of their normal Friday show. I think they're going to start doing it after our program on Thursday. So the guys are going to be live at 3 o'clock. Sean will tell us about what's coming up afterwards. And uh, we'll have a full afternoon here on YouTube of uh, Winnipeg-based sports talk content. So looking forward to that. And Ted Wyman a little later on. We'll get Ted's thoughts on the uh, Jets crash in the second round of the playoffs. A look ahead to the offseason and what he's hearing about the upcoming CFL season. Of course, a big part of that has to do with the announcement we got from the Manitoba government earlier. We'll touch on that a little bit, what that may mean for fans in the stands uh, coming up. Uh, Of course, we are brought to you by our great family of sponsors, Little Brown Jug, Breezy Bend, Not Auto Corp, Boston Pizza, Aikens Lake, Assiniboia Downs, the Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Royal Sports, and PolicyMe.com, as well as we'll get to our lines for CoolBet a little later on and take a look at the outright odds for Euro 2020, which, of course, I know it is 2021, but uh, it's delayed a year. It's starting tomorrow. We'll get to that as well as we get through the program. Uh, Let's get Michael Remus in here to uh, get things going. Remo, um, first things first, how are you feeling today, and uh, how did you sleep last night? Yeah, it's funny you mention. Um, I was so I didn't get a great sleep. Us, you know, I usually fall asleep to podcasts, and I you know I subscribe on Spotify, so I subscribe to a number of podcasts. And I guess when you finish one, it just keeps playing the next one on the list. So I woke up at three thirty a.m. to Ken Weeb yelling in my ear about Blake <laughs> Wheeler's leadership skills from the post game show after Game Four, and. All I heard is, Huss, Blake Wheeler, this is how he leads. He always looks at the positive. Don't you know that by now? Or so, something like that. It's literally Ken Weeb screaming in my ear. And it took me a second to realize I wasn't dreaming about, you know, watching that. It was actually <laughs> happening. And I turned it off and I had to, like, go get a drink of water after that. How so often was, How often would you say that you have Ken Weeb-related dreams, Reem? Uh... Probably never, but I think I might like dream about doing this show. I don't know. I got it on the, <laughs> on the on the brain, but I don't get I don't get woken up often in the middle of the night to like something I fell asleep to. But can we yelling about Blake Wheeler's leadership <laughs> did it for me this morning? Well, that's hilarious, and um, we'll have to. I mean, that was a lot of fun, folks. If you have not, it was seen re- it, yet, it was good. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, I had about an hour to cool down after the end. And that's part of the reason why I love doing the show when I do it one o'clock you know, in the afternoon, because 
I'm far enough removed from what happened the night before. Because as I said, we've got a lot of Big J, Big J journals in town. Mm-hmm. Um, I will never pretend to be one of those. Uh, we're here. We talk sports. We have opinions. Uh, we try and do it fairly with, uh, you know, some good observations. Um, but yeah, I get pissed off just like everyone does when you see your team play the way they did in game number four in that series. So uh, I did have a little bit of cooling down time, but we got into it pretty good. Um, right after the game. So that's still up there on the Kenny and Rennie uh, YouTube channel. And again, those guys will be going on a little bit later on. All right, Reem, before we get to all the Jets uh, talk, by the way, shout out to everyone that's still hanging out with us. I know we had some massive numbers and a few people may have been taking a few shows off because they're depressed about the end of the hockey season. But I can tell you that uh, we're not going anywhere. We'll be here with you talking Jets, talking Bombers, National Football League. We'll get into some Blue Jays talk. We've got soccer coming up. So um, we will continue rolling here on Winnipeg Sports Talk right through the summer. Um, and of course, Remo, there's so much to get to when it comes to the offseason about the Winnipeg Jets. Never mind everything else that's hopefully going to get going. There'll be no shortage of fun topics for us to get to with you all every day, both on the podcast feed and on YouTube. But if you are with us on YouTube, hit the like button, please. Make sure you're subscribed so you can join us on a daily basis. And for you folks listening on podcast, uh, if you'd be so kind, give us a five-star rating. Drop in a nice little blurb in the comments uh, on that. It certainly does help us spread the word and grow Winnipeg Sports Talk daily. All right, Reem, before we get to Sports Talk, Stanley Cup playoffs and all that, um, let's get to um, four, three, two, one great summer reopening plan. Again, I'm not too sure how much of a total reopening plan this was we learned about today. And uh, don't take this the wrong way. I'm not jumping on the complain train like half of my Twitter feed every time the government opens their mouth. Um, I, I'll be honest, I am somewhat optimistic about this, um, you know, considering what we've heard today that by Canada Day, um, you know, we could have businesses open to 25%. And maybe most importantly for the football fans in our audience, a 50% target meeting, assuming we as Manitobans meet the vaccination numbers that we're hoping to get to. Uh, August long weekend, 50% and Remo, that would open the doors to at least half of IG field for bomber football, hopefully beginning on the 5th of August. And, uh, I'll tell you what, that to me is something that I think we can all look forward to. I think it was unrealistic to think we'd have the entire stadium open by then. But the fact of the matter is we heard today that if things go well and we hit these numbers by Labor Day, we could have a full stadium and a hopefully that great cup celebration that this city and fan base has been waiting for since November of 2019. Yeah. I think we, we all want to see the uh, CFL come back. Huh? So we will wait and see. I think that's our main focus. We're talking about this four, three, two, one reopening plan. I don't just I don't amazing know. messaging. Like <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of, I, I, I would have loved to be in the meeting where uh, <laughs> they came up with that. Well, well, I mean, everyone's talking about it. So, uh, well, I mean, we'll wait and see what happens. Everyone, go, go, get your shots and uh, do all that, and we can get you know get the full arenas back because you know we sing the atmosphere and, and the Islander game last night at the Coliseum, and and you get jealous. So, I want to play oh. CFL fantasy this summer, Huss. I'd like to go to a Bomber game with full stadium, and uh, seems like they have a roadmap to make that happen. So, we will see. 
Yeah, I mean, again, look, it all comes down to, and I know I think people wanted a lot of details, and I mean, I'm not political, I'm not getting political at all, this is just basically what we know, and I, listen, I know we want every single detail right now, but I think it's quite obvious, especially with this new variant that's coming around, I mean, the, the only way that they can assure us that we can do these things is to hit these vaccine targets, so... I mean, listen, I already got my first shot. I'm getting my second shot. And here's a here's a tip for you all. A little bit of an insider tip on uh, on getting your shot. Um, so I now, whatever, this past week, I was in the area where I could book my second shot. So I, whatever, I took a couple days and then I did it yesterday, I think. And my date in the city, I was sort of surprised. I mean, it was a little, it was well into July. And uh so I went back and I clicked on a couple of the other sites and got into the Morden Center uh, much earlier. So I'm actually going to be able to get it next week, at the end of next week. So I'm just saying, if you are looking for that um, and you don't mind, you're, you're mobile and you can make it out, check out some of the, the spots outside the city because I think you may have a bit better chance of uh, getting your shot earlier and getting all that done. So anyways, I'm looking forward to that. Um, you know, as I said, I have no... Uh, no issues with any of it. I just want us to get back to normal. And uh, I, I'm most most looking forward to going to a bomber game, meeting all you at the rum hut, and doing something where we just say, hey, 7 to 10, 7 to 9, we're at uh, Boston Pizza at one of the locations, open it up and have the Winnipeg Sports Talk gang come down to a watch party for some sort of event, or, or frankly, just to get together and have a few schooners over at BP. Um, so anyways, uh, we'll see what ha happens, but at least we do have hope that these, you know, facility, I mean, listen, everything, restaurants, bars, um, people being able to play sports, get together, these things. I mean, we got to get there. Hopefully it happens. It does seem like we're trending in the right direction. Got to keep getting these numbers down, but most importantly, it simply, is not going to happen if we don't get these shots. So, um, uh, that is some good news for that. All right. Moving on, Remo, and we'll talk to Ted, too, about, you know, what he's hearing about this vote coming up on the 14th within the Canadian Football League. We touched on it a little bit yes, uh, with Jeff Hamilton yesterday. Um, but so, as I said, we'll talk more about the end of the Jets season with Rennie and with Ted a little later on. But um, we got an absolutely some A plus Instagram material today from one Vili Hanel. And uh, everyone seems to be talking about it right now that's seen his uh, that's seen his post. Yeah, we all know Billy Hainel is the Jets prospect, um, you know, didn't get in too many games with the Jets this season, was named to the All-Star team at World Junior, but I guess, Huss, when you finish, you know, your season, you got to post it on Insta and let everyone know, right? So, uh, here, let's... Well, and he had, he had quite the season. I yeah. mean, he was playing in Europe, he was playing here, uh, so yeah. here we have... Vili Hainala uh, at training camp, presumably with the Winnipeg Jets, or potentially uh, when he got in on in a couple of games. There's Billy. Uh, we move on to his um, oh the time wait, that with was Finland. In, that wait was a sec. Appearance. What about what about this the moose? moose? There this we go. The there we moose. Amazing season. Craig Heisinger said to Dave Manuk at the end of wrap up, best defenseman in the American Hockey League. Um, I would take that as he is ready to go and make his move to the National Hockey League. Then we move on. Uh, Vili Heinola representing his country of Finland at the World Junior Hockey Championships where he made the tournament all-star team uh, as well as a picture, I believe, from his time in Finland at the beginning of the year. And then one more picture sort of summing up the uh, the, the back end of his, his season with the Winnipeg Jets. And um, Rimu, if you want to move to that one, it's the, uh, it's the Bernie... <laughs> 
is the Bernie Sanders sitting picture with his face photoshopped on. And um, all I can take it is that he is poking a little bit of fun at how much time he spent in the press box. And you hope that it's good natured and that he's ready to go and not be the Bernie Sanders in the chair next year for the Winnipeg Jets. But in fact, a regular member of a Winnipeg Jet defense corps that uh, is improved from this season. Yeah, this is the highlight um, of Winnipeg Jets Twitter today. Uh, Taylor Ewell and Chet says props to John Malloy on that one. So someone uh, on Twitter took the time to make this. Billy somehow nice saw work, it. Nice John. John's, yeah. in the, John's in the chat sometimes. And I know John's uh, available on Twitter, so that's good. The best part is um, Andrew Kopp with the emoji. <laughs> the one thing about uh, hockey player Twitter is when the teammates respond. So you got Andrew Kopp with the like, uh, emoji crying laughing and then David Gustafson who probably has a similar picture of his face on the Bernie Sanders chair because like he barely got in any games as well also commenting so I don't know if Billy put a face in that's like not looking too happy about a situation uh, we mean you joked before the show like is this Billy Hainala requesting a trade or just poke, poking fun are, are the alarm bells coming up um you know, I was listening to, uh, you know, having Ted Wyman, I was listening to him and Scott uh, Billick, they do a YouTube on the Winnipeg Sun channel. And, uh, you know, Scott was just saying how, you know, the Jets defense and, the, you know, in terms of expected goals and shots against, how they were so low. I mean, if he was in the lineup, I don't think it would be possible to make it much worse. And we know he's a guy who can move the puck. Ken Weeb was saying all playoffs, you know, the Jets, we watched them struggle to get out of their own zone over and over against Montreal. He definitely could have made an impact, but it seemed like the Jets had made a decision to uh, do some little service time manipulation. ELC slide, folks. That's how it works. Make sure. They said, you know what, he's not playing the 10 games. We want him for that extra year of control. But, uh, I mean, you look at the team there. You can argue they're built to win now. You needed that guy in the lineup. Uh, I think he would have definitely helped them. But they said, you know what, we're pushing, kicking the can a year down the road. And we'll see. We'll see how that pays off. That's an interesting one. And there he is. Yeah. Larry Bong in chat. What up, Larry? Uh, somebody needs to ask Paul Maurice what he thinks about that. Well, it's funny you say that um, in that Paul Maurice, we sort of expected that Maurice would speak today. Um, but Maurice and general manager Kevin Chevel, they expect actually now will speak tomorrow. So I'd imagine they're having some, you know, some meetings to end the season recapping. And man, it would be. I would pay millions if I had them to be a fly on the wall for some of those meetings as to how jet management is sort of, you know, seeing what happened in round two, considering what happened in round one, after what happened at the end of the season, after a really good start. I mean, there's so many parts of this Winnipeg Jets year that, um, you know, are so different from others. And, you know, we kind of went through it. I mean, a really strong start, you know, a great first two thirds of the season, 27 and 14, a miserable last month, which created a lot of concern and not very much hope going into the playoffs. That got turned around very quickly with a thrilling sweep of the Oilers, including three overtime wins, which then got everyone fired up that, all right, the Jets are back. And then they weren't back. They were very much not back against the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> very, very much not back. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to unpack from this. And I think from an organizational standpoint, as we talked about uh, yesterday, I think everything is, you know, under the microscope, the jobs that everybody did, whether that means we could see some significant changes. I know a lot of people suggest no. I'm still not entirely sure about that, to be 
honest, but you know, I think we'll find out a lot more tomorrow from Paul Maurice and Kevin Shevel. often where their heads are at, um, you know, and where the organization goes from here. It will certainly be very interesting. We'll focus in on the Stanley Cup playoffs for the next couple of weeks. Um, but at that point, as soon as that cup is given away, uh, we're going to be talking about a draft, an expansion draft. And, of course, free agency and uh, a very, very big summer for Kevin Sheveldayoff and the Winnipeg Jets. All right, we'll get to all that in just a second with Sean Reynolds. First up, though, I do want to tell you about PolicyMe.com. And, you know, I know the housing market's hot. And a lot of people in our chat, um, you know, younger, middle-aged people probably have just gotten into their new house for the first time. So congrats, you're a new homeowner. You saved up for the down payment. You secured the mortgage. You found your dream home. What a ride it's been. But now what? You're working hard to decorate, taking care of any minor or sometimes major repairs. But you know the one thing most homeowners forget? Life insurance. Why would you need life insurance? Well, if something were to happen to you, your loved ones may not be able to pay the mortgage and could lose that new home that you both love. It's uncomfortable to think about, but it's reality and it could happen. Thankfully, you can uh, take care of your loved ones with life insurance from Policy Me. Um, you know, you're busy and you don't have a lot of time. You don't want to have meetings and go through all this. I'll tell you what, you probably do have 15 minutes to find out more and apply for life insurance through Policy Me uh, faster than changing the, flues, the fuse you just blew installing the new ceiling light. Uh, you can try the Policy Life insurance calculator and get personalized results on which coverage is best for you, featuring um, the, uh, the best rates in the business, an instant decision if you're approved for coverage instantly. Most people don't even require a medical exam and an easy, straightforward process. So go to policyme.com, fill it out, be quick. It'll be easy. It's all done online. And when they ask where you found out about policy, we make sure you click podcast. Also want to shout out to Royal Sports. You know, the Royal guys have a lot going on right now. I was telling you yesterday that, telling you yesterday that the uh, Euro is here and they've got incredible, incredible jerseys from all of the teams in Euro as well as the countries around the world and the top teams as well. Uh, And then we've also got the, uh, they're doing a promotion over at King Skate and Surf called Vaxxed and Waxed. I will just direct you to the Instagram Royal Sports Pembany and Kings underscore SSS for Skate, Snow and Surf. Uh, a great program of you posting yourself with a skateboard or skateboarding with proof that you got vaccinated. So it might be something your kids would be into. You can find out that as well. And of course, it is summertime. That means blizzard time. Well, it's always time for a blizzard. Nick and Nikki DQ group, four of the DQs, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. Featuring the Kit Kat Blizzard is back, as Nick told us about. The incredible drumstick blizzard. All the great food on the grill. And... If you're thinking about a party, go to DQ Manitoba. Give them a follow. They've got a great post with all of their sports-based cakes. If you've got a party for a kid that's a big fan of the Jets or the Bombers or another team, just see what they can do. You can order it online and take care of it that way. Shout out to Nick and Dickie and the DQ group for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right. Uh, We've got some Jets to talk about and a little bit of a tee-up of the uh, Kenny and Rennie extravaganza that has been moved to 3 p.m. this afternoon right after Winnipeg Sports Talk on YouTube. And let's bring in the man himself, Manitoba's jumping bean, (laughs) Sean Reynolds of Sportsnet. And you can see Sean looks a little different. He's chilling today, getting some pretty good air. 
Watch this, folks, for those of you on YouTube. Just an absolutely perfectly executed backflip. That, my friends, is just how excited people are to be on sports on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Ready? What's going on? Props on the hops. I'm done. I'm doing great. How are you doing, bud? <laughs> I'm doing well. You know, it's all, you know, ever since we last spoke in the uh, hours right after the game, we've had some time to some time to sort of decompress and get away from the series. And obviously you have as well. I can't believe well. you played that. That's <laughs> Was that the first thing? And as soon as you got back home, all right, let's make some tramp videos. Are you on TikTok now? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm I'm not. But it's funny. I I started trampolining with with my girls, and I was trying to teach my my uh, one daughter how to do a flip. And so I was I was feeling a little you know proud of myself. I could still flip. I'm I'm older. You know what I mean. I could still do the flips. And then I taught her how to flip. And then all of a sudden she started doing flips, and we were having these competitions to see who could do like the most flips in a row. So I pulled off like 32. She pulled off a hundred. And then, so it brings <laughs> in the question like how old. How old are you supposed to be when your kids get better at you than sports, right? You know, I was pretty proud of myself. So anyways, then I posted one of those onto uh, onto Instagram and a buddy of mine did one to show he could do it as well. And so all my friends are starting to be like, oh, look, you're not so good anymore. So I was like, well, I'm going to pull out the backflip now. Let's see if he can do that, right? So it's this competition that's brewing on Instagram that's trying to is keep there, us young, but probably more likely sending us to the emergency room. I'm is there sure. a hashtag yet for this? I mean, if I click Rennie challenge right now, will I see hundreds of thousands of people flipping on trampolines <laughs> throughout the internet? Let's get that going. people. I, I'm not. Ha- yeah, maybe I'm not hashtag capable. Uh, so, uh, but n- now that you've mentioned it, maybe I should get out there and do that. Um, Sean, um, uh, you guys are going live afterwards uh, today. Normally, you guys have sort of done things on Friday morning. It's worked well to kind of come after Sports Talk Winnipeg, and I know a lot of people will be ready to go after our program today. Um, obviously, you guys were involved in all of the uh, postseason ending pressers yesterday amongst the players. Still waiting to hear from the coach and general manager. That'll be tomorrow. Give us a little idea about what you and uh, Ken have kicking for 3 p.m. this afternoon. Yeah, well, we we had to move it to that time because you know we're we're trying to figure our way through this stuff, right? We're st- doing the YouTube stuff, we're going on the internet, trying to figure out what works, what doesn't work, right? You've you're a great resource for that because you've got a lot of this stuff figured out. We're still feeling our way out in the dark, and we'd moved uh, out of necessity last week, the Friday show that we usually do at nine in the morning, right after your show, and we just found like our numbers were phenomenal, right? And we give you a ton of credit for that because you're sending traffic in our direction. You've already built an audience because you. Are are must see viewing and and so people are showing up to so any stragglers that we get afterwards we'll take so um yeah it's it's uh we we want to kind of explore this idea of coming up after you and give people that experience of you know you can sit down and chew into some sports talk for for quite a while so uh tonight afterwards we, we did a season uh, sorry, not a season. We did a series preview, you know, both for the Edmonton Oilers and then for heading into the Montreal Canadiens. We make our picks on what we think is going to happen during those different series. So part of this is us taking our lumps because uh, in the first round, I picked Edmonton. In the second round, I picked the Jets. So I want to give our our viewers an opportunity to, to shame me as I should be <laughs> shamed for getting these things wrong. We want to give certain people credit. Jeff Hamilton was the one uh, of our panel of four that had the Montreal Canadiens moving on. I 
think you had him on the show yesterday. So he got that right. Want to give him his due. And I guess we just, you know, I want to take the opportunity to kind of dig into everything that was said yesterday. It was, for me, the most interesting, um, you know, season uh, wrap garbage day or whatever, season ending avails for players that I've ever been a part of. What about 2019? Uh, So we wanted to, you know, give... Like the, the mood was well, very 20, different yeah, than 2019. Like the 2019 garbage bag day was kind of a jaw dropper. And that kind of, you know, and that's why, you know, it's so interesting, Sean. I mean, you've covered this team for a long time. I'll ask you. I mean, the way, like we compared the end to the St. Louis series with really, I mean, more than just the last game of this Montreal series, um, you know, a very disappointing, right. you know, kind right. of lifeless end um, for the Winnipeg Jets in both. Um, the, the mood around the 2019 Jets uh, after that game was like, let me get the hell out of here, at least for a bunch of them. And, you know, obviously yeah. Dustin Bufflin left and never came back. Uh, well, he did come back for a skate and then was gone. Yeah. Yesterday was a little different. Yeah. I mean, it was yeah. more, I don't know. I found like the guys were, you know, still, you know, saying that they were optimistic about the future of the team, especially, you know, some of the real key players. Um, certainly talking to people outside of the market, all anyone was talking about was the comments of Mark Shifley, who, you know, it's been interesting. He's got a lot right. of people in this city that have his back. I was looking at comments to, you know, we put out a, a tweet, uh, which has got thousands of views of, you know, of what Shifley said. And, you know, for the most part, the Winnipeg Jets are standing by their star, but oh my God, is he taking a beating? If you go outside the perimeter of Winnipeg or outside the province of Manitoba, the shine that Mark Shifley had on him just as, as a player and as the guy that he is. Um, I will say this from a PR standpoint, I'm not sure he did himself many favors outside of Winnipeg, but Winnipeg jet fans love the fact that he's riding for them and still uh, standing up for himself the way he feels he should. Well, I, I think you're a hundred percent right. I think if you're a Winnipeg Jets fan, you you love uh, Mark Shifley and what he's saying for the most part. Now, I'm not going to say that's a hundred percent because I know on our show we had a lot of Jets fans who who disagree with his take that it was a clean hit and that there was absolutely nothing wrong with that. I had a lot of people who said, "I'm a Jets fan. I don't like it. I'm okay with it. I need to hear more from him." Um, uh, but y- you're right. I think on the outside, if you're if you're not a Winnipeg Jets fan and if you you don't have at home your your TV still set up with a VHS player and about 16 Rock'em Sock'em hockey videos uh, <laughs> below your TV that you play, you know, every every second day. I don't. I think that you come. Mark Shifley comes across as a real villain to you, um, and. I think, you know, by the idea of the Jets kind of standing by him and and no one kind of acknowledging that maybe, just maybe, this hit went a little bit too far. I think it really does set them up as villains outside the market. Here's the thing. I think they're okay with that. And it's an interesting tact. I mean, uh, the one thing about the Winnipeg Jets is they're kind of kind of milk toast outside of this market, right? There's not a lot of reason to hate the Winnipeg Jets because until, you know, the, the Edmonton Oilers, they'd never really knocked your team out, right? Like people hate the Oilers in Winnipeg because they just 
killed them over and over and over again in the 80s. So rivalries happen. Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs and Montreal Canadiens hate each other because they play each other all the time. And there's this long history of, you know, one team knocking the other out. Ask a Bruins fan how they feel about the Montreal Canadiens. You know, there's just a long history of the Canadiens just destroying that team over and over again. Well, no, no, no fan base has the experience of the Winnipeg Jets breaking their hearts over and over and over again. Happened once, you know, against Minnesota and it happened uh, and against in a different the, division too. I mean, they exactly really play like you get them once on the here and once on the road and that's sort of it. So, I mean, new kids. I mean, you're right. I mean, they're sort of so, just, they're there. They're everyone, you know, people don't really have strong feelings one way or the other for the jets until now. <laughs> I, I think they do now. Like in Montreal, I think they, I think they really dislike them. And they, you know, I, I, I took a look at our Tim and friends had Eric Engels on uh, yesterday, my colleague in Montreal, and and he had a you know a rant he wanted to go on about that. And you know, I, I just I, I went looking, I, I scroll the comments, and by no means is it scientific. This isn't a poll. This isn't a commission poll. But when we saw the when you just had Mark Shifley's comments live on our Tim and friends page, and you went and you looked through the comments, like one after the other after the other after the other it was i just don't think this guy gets it and and i and i i will say this regardless i know mark shifley came out and he said he said sorry said sorry and he said he you know first of all i just want to make sure that jake evans is okay his comments after that make it sound like he's throwing that out i know he's not but but when you say i'm sorry but man oh man did did he ever say he was sorry i thought that did he ever well, I don't say know he that he specifically, I don't think those words I, ever came out of his mouth. And I think you're right. I think it felt like he was saying sorry because I think he came out and said, first and foremost, I'm worried about Jake yes, Evans. I just want to make sure he's okay. But the, the thing that I think stri- strikes really poorly for the Jets as a whole is the kind of idea that they kept pointing out that, well, he got on the bus afterwards and he's okay and he got up. Right? This is a guy who is knocked unconscious from a traumatic shot to the head. Uh, this is a brain injury, no matter how you play it. What We don't know enough about brain injuries. We don't know that this is going to be a contributing factor to CTE down the road and that Jake Evans may have problems later in his life. We don't know enough about brain injuries to be cavalierly saying, well, he got up, didn't he? Like it, It's not something you can be saying in this day and age. And it seems like the Winnipeg Jets organization is not just saying that but they are embracing it and i think it's a, a, an effort here to have mark shifley's back uh but i i do think that in doing that the the jets have positioned themselves as villains outside of this market uh and and i think they're okay with that so we'll see where that takes them sean reynolds with us from Sportsnet, and of course kenny and Rennie, the guys will be going live 3 p.m this afternoon and if you're listening to our podcast later on you can just go check them up on podcast as well or on youtube a little bit later on and make sure you subscribe for all the content the boys are putting out so rent we were talking on was it tuesday night i guess whatever the or was it monday night I don't even know what day it is anymore. It's Tuesday Today, morning, Thursday. So this is now Tuesday morning. That's right. The game. It was on Tuesday, Tuesday night and morning. Yeah, Wednesday yeah. morning. We went long. It was a great. I never went to sleep, by the way. And it was right. Well, I mean, you had a flight in about an yeah. hour and a half after we finished talking. I mean, you pretty much had to yeah. run out there. Hopefully, all the yeah. madness was uh, shut down. And we will talk about what happened to that Jets fan in Montreal a little bit later on. Um, but. Oh. Now that we're a couple days away, I mean, obviously we've all been thinking about, you know, the end of the season, how it ended, what this means for the offseason and this team going forward. And, 
you know, there's questions about the roster. And, you know, after the way the season went, there's absolutely questions, certainly from the public, about, you know, management, the head coach. Um, I, I wonder, what do you think's happening today? Like in these meetings with Shevel Dayoff, with Coach Paul Maurice, with Mark Chipman, I mean, do you think that there's a full evaluation that maybe some changes need to be made or considering some things like that? Or is it a matter of just reviewing what happened against like the gory details of four miserable games against Montreal and just getting back to the drawing board and moving forward as is? You know, self-reflection for this team is one thing that you wonder how it plays out because you'll hear this time and time again. I mean, we tweeted out yesterday what the players were saying. I think that the players fully backed their head coach afterwards. Uh, Mark Shifley talked about him being benched as being no issue, said he wanted to be challenged. Blake Wheeler said he thought this was some of Paul Maurice's best work, and this is a guy in the past he said he would run through a wall for. So if you're saying a guy in the past that, you've, uh, that you'd run through a wall for, and now you're saying he did some of his best work this year, I think that this is a full endorsement, a full ringing endorsement by this team for their coach now there's people on 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 social media that will say well of course you're going to support a guy who has your back but you know and doesn't challenge you and I'm not saying he did those people are right but I do think that there's you know the one brain comment that Paul Maurice made I think that is that is a very prevalent uh thought and and uh explanation of this Winnipeg Jets team. I do think from, from the owner to the, to the general manager, to the coach, to the captain, to the leadership group, to the players right on down, I do think that there's this one brain thing going on and they all think the same way. And I think that that can be a very good thing. And it's the reason why I had the Jets making the playoffs this year because I think they're very much able to get on the same page and push in the same direction where you see teams like Vancouver, Montreal for a lot of the season and Calgary aren't able to do that they're not all able to pull on the rope everyone in Winnipeg pulls on the rope but I also do think that it may I may it may result in a lack of self-reflection I think everyone in that organization thinks we're going to do things our own way and they for the most part quite often fully agree with each other and they're all on board and so when things get go wrong there's not anyone to kind of turn to and say well this guy said we should have done something different maybe we should try his way I think they're all on the same page they all get on board and when things don't get wrong what ends up happening is we hear what we heard from the players we're just a couple steps away we've got this right (laughs) stay the course keep doing what we're doing and we're going to be just fine and I think it leads you away from you know the 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 changes that maybe this team would require I mean the last two years I think in the media it's been obvious to us that they need to address their defense core and they haven't done that so I think I think that's one of the things the players touched on I think that's why they're saying Paul Maurice did some of his best work this year because he took a team that a lot of people thought would miss the playoffs that they for sure made sure we knew that they'd heard that right um and but that that he did a good job getting there but I think honestly if you ask me what I think is happening, I think the players are saying they've got the coaches back. So I don't think the player, it's going to be hard to fire the coach if you're the GM, because I don't think that the players want the coach going anywhere. So that makes it hard to do that. I think that they all think that the core is in place and they're just ready to go and they all need a couple tweaks. And I think they all think that. And so I think they go into the off season thinking exactly that a tweak here, a tweak there, and we're going to be fine. Let me ask you this. Then the players say they have all their, their, conversations yesterday with the media 
and they're on planes and they're driving home. So now today they've got meetings and Cheveldayoff and Maurice and maybe Mark Chipman sit down and rewatch the series against Montreal. Like when you, I, I went back, I'll be honest. I went back and watched parts of the last three games over the last two days. And I wanted to see like, is it as, was it as bad as I remember? Like what were these games as lifeless? It was of energy. Oh, oh it was all that it, on a, on a, on a rewatch. It's even more painful. I mean, because you know, what's going to happen and you see it's going on, but I really yeah. do wonder, I really do wonder at a certain point where the guys in charge of everything um, that have to make those tough decisions on everything, look back and watch those games and the way this team looked after beating the Edmonton Oilers in four straight in the fashion that they did and not think that, you know what, let's just run it back. You know, it's just, you know, you add a defenseman, you know, a little tweak to the blue line and we should be good. I, I don't know how you would come come away with that. And that's why I, that's why I'm not there with, you know what, everyone, it's just going to be status quo going forward. I think there will be some self-reflection. And I think everybody in that room about what happened. And the thing about it is, like I said this before, in a lot of ways, that first round sweep got a tons of currency with the public and with the people after the way the season ended. But unfortunately, this series was so bad so quick, so short, and such a disaster for Winnipeg that I think in most people's minds that follow the club, all the gains that they had in that Edmonton series were nuked in four quick games by Montreal. And I really wonder where they feel that. I mean, there's a lot of people that feel like they felt in the past month of the season watching everything go away because it basically happened once in the regular season, and then it happened in a much brighter spotlight in a week that ended the season against Montreal when they were favorites going into the series. I agree. But what have we seen from this team in the past? Last year, they lost in the bubble to Calgary. And you heard every kind of, I'll call it what I think it was. I, you heard every kind of excuse. Okay, Mark Shifley went out. Uh, uh, Patrick Laine went out. Uh, Mason Appleton went out. They had, didn't get the guys in early enough. You know, the layoff affected everybody differently. Connor McDavid never, or sorry, not Connor Helbig never got back to that level that he was at, you know, uh, during the regular season in the playoffs. And you heard all these lines over and over again. There, there was reasons it was going to be better. I didn't buy that at the time. I, I We heard, what did, the, what did the Winnipeg Jets say after they lost to Calgary? They said, we gave it our all out there. I didn't agree agree with that I thought their response after if you want to say that you're on the verge of being a dynasty you better be a team that can handle the loss of a big player right the Tampa Bay Lightning don't call themselves a dynasty and they lost Steve Stamkos last year and still found a way right you can't say that you're on the verge of being a dynasty lose Mark Shifley get swept out afterwards and then say we're just right on the verge of being that I don't agree with that one bit and so I think what happens Huss is if you last year are willing to say yeah we lost those guys that's the problem we're going to get them back everything is going to be fine I think it's very easy to this year turn and say well we lost Mark Shifley and that cost us and you heard the Jets players you heard Paul Maurice they all said oh this would have been an entirely different series if we had that one player okay well you can hang hope on that now you don't have to change too much if you hang hope on that well Pierre-Luc Dubois had a really rough season he admitted he did but we're going to give him a summer and we're going to turn him around and we're going to get him there well the improvement in Pierre 
Jean-Luc Dubois is going to be like adding a high-end player, so you don't have to do anything there. Well, the back end has its issues, but we're going to bring in Billy Hainla, and Logan Stanley is going to be a year older, and maybe Dylan Sandberg will go be, be really good. Well, you don't have to improve there, and it's just one way or another. I think that there's always this, this extreme belief, this cocky belief, this almost arrogance that you see reflected in the suggestion that this team is a tweak away from being a dynasty. That arrogance is the kind of thing that allows you to believe you don't need to change too much. You don't need to do something drastic. You and I talked after that game four about what are the kind of things you were doing. I've said this before. If the Winnipeg Jets are so deep and have so many scores and and have this ridiculous embarrassment of riches up front, why has that embarrassment of riches up front why haven't you used that currency to send it out and bring in a super high-end defenseman? Like that That's the kind of things I think the fans are calling for, maybe some of the people on the outside are calling for. But the steady, steady as we go, keep the, the, the calm hand at the rudder kind of approach is what has won the day every single year here in Winnipeg. Um, and I don't know that we should fully expect that to change. I don't. I, I think that the the players are on board saying this is going to be fine. Paul Maurice already said the best is yet to come. So to me, they're on board. The dressing room and the coach are on board. Now the question is: Is the GM on board with that thought process, and is the owner on board? That's what we need to try and dig into, and we'll get a good chance to start digging into it on Friday when Paul Maurice and Kevin Shell will day off talk. Yeah, then we'll uh, have uh, plenty on uh, both the coach and the GM's comments tomorrow on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Chevy is going to be going at noon, and the coach will be going at 11 a.m., so uh, we'll respond. We'll have plenty of that content for you tomorrow on the program and be able to uh, to discuss it all here on the program. I, I will say this, and and again, we sort of got into this, and I will get to people. I mean, we, we spent plenty of time talking about what we've heard from the players, and I sort of made the point that, I mean, a lot of times I don't think there is any uh, there's any sort of public accountability from the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, even through this series, you know, you're here. Like, as I said, it goes back to Blake Wheeler saying game two and three. You know, I liked our game. I liked your game. I mean, who liked anything about those games? There was nothing to like about those games in, in reality. <laughs> and I see Dom Zappia. I went back and watched the games again, even worse than I remembered. So. You know, when you're getting that, you know, at a certain <laughs> point, I'm sort of numb to a lot of the comments. Sometimes, like, Hellebuck always delivers with something that's honest. But, you know, when we hear Blake Wheeler say, you know, the message never got old or anything like that from Paul Maurice, and then you see, well, what was the message for round two of the playoffs? Because if the message resonated with all the players and they got exactly what they needed, how do you explain what happened to the Winnipeg Jets in that series? And again, you know, we can go down the rabbit hole of Shifley not being there and the effect of all of that. But I mean, just on a on a competitive level, there was no comparison between the Winnipeg Jets and the Montreal Canadiens. And it's the little things, the things that Maurice talks about all the time, winning battles, making good decisions, puck management. All of that was completely out the window. Montreal will get a lot of credit for the way they challenged the Winnipeg Jets. They pressured them. They forechecked. But beyond that, I mean, I have a hard time saying this is just the Montreal Canadiens were so good. They made the Jets look that bad because I think the truth was sort of, there was one team that really came ready to go and one team that, I mean, that didn't in, in a big way. And, you know, I don't know. I, I, you know, if I'm, if I'm Maurice right now and I've been here for eight years, knowing some of the opportunities that are out there, both, you know, within this organization, but also in the national hockey league with some people that he's well connected with, 
I'm not sure that, you know, Mm -hmm. he wouldn't think like there could be a mutual thing going, you know what, maybe have we kind of run this? Is this maybe run its course? Because I mean, it's not like Paul Maurice wouldn't be able to be coaching again in the National Hockey League. It's not just straight up to the front office and start your post coaching career. Um, But you'd have to think that, you know, if he does come back here in Winnipeg, those other jobs are gone and there's an incredible amount of pressure to get it done. Or or you would think at that point, um, the seat would be as hot and there'd be as much pressure on Paul Maurice as there ever has been, if there has been in Winnipeg going into next year. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think, uh, you know, Elliot Friedman had reported on, you know, Seattle uh, nosing around Paul Maurice at one point. And uh, Ron Francis, a former player who played underneath Paul Maurice, who has all the respect in the world for Paul Maurice. I mean, if you take a look at what Paul Maurice, I mean, I'll I'll give Paul Maurice – the mo- this I give him the most credit for this out of ever anything he's done as a coach. The players that the Jets have drafted have become what you know the best versions of themselves that everyone thought they could be. I mean, Patrick Liney becomes a 36 goal scorer as a rookie. Kyle Connor, you know, goes from uh, you know being a, a scorer at at uh, college level and then does what he can do at the, at the AHL level and comes in and shows he can do it at the NHL. Nick Ehlers, I think, has become everything everyone would hope he could become. Connor Hellebuck. Go time and time again. You, I think, what you know, you would get from Paul Maurice as a head coach is a guy who is going to get the most individually out of your players. Now, you you, you can argue about in the past. I, I think that uh, Vegas had the better plan against the Jets in 2018. I think clearly Montreal had the better plan against Winnipeg this year. Uh, probably similar to what we saw against St. Louis, right? I, I do think the one interesting part about this here is. And I think the players talked, I I think this is code for the players saying, you know, he did the best job that he's done this year, maybe of everything we've seen. I think, Huss, we have to talk about the fact that none of us thought that this is an NHL capable, I shouldn't say capable, but a lower end NHL defense. We all thought that. And I think in the end that that defense got exposed in this series against the Montreal Canadiens, not only in the way that the Montreal Canadiens were consistently able to score throughout their lineup, but the fact that I think it started at the defense and that first pass that Montreal just kept turning over again and again and again, that that defense was a problem. And I think we know that defense was a problem. I think we know the GM thought that defense was a problem. It's why he looked looked so upset when he wasn't able to get a deal done at the trade deadline. So the one thing that Paul Maurice has going for him, if you're Mark Chipman and you're looking at this situation is, and I know that they thought this last year after Dustin Bufflin lost that they thought that's why they re-signed Paul Maurice because he thought he did a phenomenal job after what they thought was a terrible position. He got put in specifically by Dustin Bufflin. So two years now, Paul Maurice can look and say, I got you to the playoffs two years in a row. I won you a series against a team that was, you know, better than us in the standings. I got us to the final eight and I did it with a defense that even the GM, who put it together isn't happy with it so if you look at it from that situation Paul Maurice always has that card in his back pocket where he's saying I'm doing the best with what I've got and I'm doing a pretty good job and until Kevin Sheveldayoff can build a defense that the league looks at and we in the media look at and fans look at and say okay there's something that the Jets have as a strength that they can work with until that happens 
Paul Maurice always has an out. He always has a reason why things didn't turn out the way everyone's hoping it turns out. And I mean, I think that's the what that's the biggest thing to be addressed in this offseason here. They either have to put a defense together that is a put up, shut up defense for Paul Maurice as a coach to get somewhere, or they got to wonder why we're going into next year, a third straight year, wondering why the Jets can't put together a good defense core. Rennie, great stuff. Um, looking forward to 3 p.m. when we're done for you and Kenny and Rennie. Folks, it's at the Kenny and Rennie YouTube. I know Remus threw the link into the chat. Um, looking forward to that, my friend, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, more chats as well. Just on the way out, will we get Game 7, Avs Vegas, or do the Knights get it done tonight? Oh, I have to say Game 7 because I picked uh, Colorado. So, yes, we're going to get Game 7. <laughs> hey, looking forward to seeing you guys at 3. Thanks for doing this, Sean. Thanks for having me. Say hi to that Ted guy for me. He's a good guy. <laughs> I certainly will. Ted Wyman coming in, up in just a second with this here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Great stuff with Sean Reynolds. And yes, 3 p.m. today. And for you listening on the podcast, just find out wherever you get your Winnipeg Sports Talk podcast and throw in Kenny and Rennie or check them out on YouTube for the full show um, for this afternoon, as well as a really fun, I think I was on with the guys for about an hour and 45 minutes after game four. So you can see that as well. If you want to uh, check out what we were thinking and talking about right after uh, the Jets finished getting swept by the Montreal Canadiens. Before we get to Ted Wyman, a uh, big thank you to our auto partners at Not Auto Corp, Waverly and McGilvery, and online at not.ca. Why not get into the vehicle of your dreams at an incredible price with the help of the Not team? And if you're in a vehicle right now, they'll help you consign it with the help of their very successful consignment program if you're in a lease or looking to upgrade. They'll also detail your vehicle, do any body work you need, a one-stop shop for all things automotive with some great people at Not Auto Corp, Waverly and McGilvery, online at not.ca. And... We've got good news today, folks. Coming up on Saturday, we'll be able to gather in very small groups, up to five, outdoors with friends. And may I suggest, for the first time you see your friends in a long time, make them remember what a cool dude you were by showing up with some little brown jug, summer lager, right there. You can see it, the beautiful red can. Um, they'll also be extra impressed if you're able to drop a Hefeweizen in there, or maybe the king of the little brown jug layout, the 1919. Um, and you know what? I know right now where you might not be getting out very much. Little brown jug has your back. They've relaunched the website at littlebrownjug.ca, making ordering beer easier than ever before. And you can get those delicious 1919s, the Hefeweizen, the summer lager, the summer variety pack, as well as some of the great little brown merch simply by ordering online and they will deliver it to you right to your home. So you can do that now at littlebrownjug.ca. Get ready for the weekend. And big thanks to the LBJ gang for their support. And Breezy Bend, we are underway at the Palmetto and counting down to Torrey Pines and next week's U.S. Open. And uh, the other great bit of news coming out of the uh, last couple of days is that golfing is a go with people outside of your household. It's outside, it's safe, it's groups of less than five, so make those tee times for the weekend, folks, and get back out on the course. And if you're thinking about the incredible Breezy Bend Club for you and your family next year, give Corey Johnson a call and get on that waiting list to uh, join it. And uh, I can't wait as soon as the patios are also open because as much as I love golfing, I like the 19th hole as well. And by the way, shout out to Breezy for that sweet lid today. Uh, gotta love the new era stuff that they've got out at the pro shop. All right. Let's get to Ted Wyman. 
Ted Wyman of the Winnipeg Sun joins us now on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Ted, what's up? How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Seems kind of fitting that you'd have a Manitoba beer commercial on just before I come on. I don't know if it's a coincidence, but... Uh... <laughs> Well, that's the thing that sucks right now, doing all this online. You know, at a certain point when we get to the point where we can be doing this live, having live guests getting together, I promise you, I'll have an ice cold 1919 waiting for you, Ted, at some point very soon. It's been too long for all of us, uh, but there is some optimism that we're getting. Yeah, Ted, Let me ask you this, though, just before we get into Jets talk and, and CFL, um, today um, we know that the uh, incredible 4-3-2-1 great summer reopening plans come out. Uh, we won't get into the details of the times, but, you know, it was interesting. They talked about Canada Day long weekend and August long weekend for thresholds for further reopenings. And the August long weekend was, you know, assuming we get to the vaccination numbers that I think we're all hoping that we get to, we're talking about 50% capacities for businesses. Um, I would imagine that means that if we continue on the track that we're going and hit these numbers, assuming that the CFL season kicks off on the 5th of October, we could have a half full IG field for game number one of the season. Yeah, I do think you're right. It does seem like the targets that they're looking at kind of coincide with that. And I think it's imperative, Haas. I mean, the CFL is not a league that's going to be able to do much without some gate revenue, without some fans. And um, everything's looking really good on that front. Even the, the CFLPA even just came out with a uh, uh, announcement that they've got a memorandum of understanding with the CFL uh, that the season can start on August 5th, uh, that there will be a season in 2021 from their standpoint. And um, the League Board of Governors now just have to vote on it on Monday, and then we find out if that's going to happen. And I'm very optimistic about there being a season, and I'm very optimistic about there being some fans in the stands. We've seen it happen all over the place now where people are indoors. This is outdoors. It's got to happen. Um is there any concern about this vote on Monday? I mean, the one thing that we've been hearing, you know, talking about these XFL talks and all those things is that there are teams right now that even if things get better, not really interested in playing this year. I mean, are you hearing anything yep. about nerves when it comes to the votes of the Toronto Argonauts, the Montreal Alouettes and the British Columbia Lions? Well, I'm not hearing it specifically from anybody who has a vote uh, that there is nerves about that, but I certainly have read some of the same things that you have, Huss. And there, you know, this was a concern last year, and it's going to come down to, you know, part of that in, in terms of this vote this year. But this league has to get back on the field. Are there any other leagues really that haven't? Everyone else has found a way. Even the Canadian Premier League is finding a way. They're making it happen. The CFL needs to make it happen. You can't be out of sight, sight and out of mind this long. I remember talking to Lyle Bauer last year at this time and he was saying you can't be out of sight and out of mind for even one year or one summer now they've been out for more than a year 15 months it's just not right no, and it uh, needs to happen. have to do something it has to happen and you know what that vote on monday i think with what we've seen around the country you know manitoba being the worst province right now for covid having this sort of plan to get to this point Certainly, there's a lot of optimism that we will get there, but we'll pay close attention to that vote on Monday. All right, let's get back to the hockey. We've had a few days to digest what happened with the Winnipeg Jets against the Montreal Canadiens. Before we talk about what we've heard from the players and going into the offseason, Ted, 
Have you been able to make sense of just how bad the Jets looked in that four-game series after what they were able to do against uh, Edmonton? Because I went back, I was saying at the beginning of the program, you know, over the last couple of days, I've gone back and rewatched games two, three, and four. And like, I remember them being really bad and I, they might be worse on a second viewing. I mean, um, what, what, what happened? Well, so the explanation Montreal was better than us isn't good enough for you. Cause you know, that's pretty much what the, that's what the, you know, Jets players were saying. That's what Blake Wheeler was saying. And it is, it is the bottom line of that series. Montreal was better than the Winnipeg Jets um, in all aspects. Like there's just. And by a lot. I mean, that's the thing. like every aspect and by a lot. And I guess that's what I'm asking. How does that happen? I well, mean, no, one, no one expected right. that. I mean, for a team like Montreal and we were talking before with Sean about, you know, it was all about the defense and the defense couldn't get the job done and it was bound to happen at some point. I mean, I think about the way the team played defensively against Edmonton, a team that ate their lunch seven times in the regular season and the way they stepped up and were able to defend and were able to hold on. I don't think Hellebuck was better in the Edmonton series than he was in the Montreal series. He was really good in both. Um, and yet you have a series. I mean, basically it was the Montreal fourth line that ended up, you know, dominating, you know, that well, fourth line for sure. But again, my point is there was no McDavid. There was no dry sidle there. I mean, you didn't have that incredible super high end elite talent. And yet, I mean, the Montreal Canadiens controlled every aspect of the games. And um, I would imagine, and I said this to Sean earlier, I would imagine that these meetings now that the players are gone, you know, with the coaching staff and the general managers, like I'm just imagining those guys doing what I did and going back and watching these games again yeah. and what they might must be thinking. Because it's all great to come out and say, hey, you know what, we've got a lot of really good players, we're close. Um you know, if you're the GM, if you're the coach, I mean, that has to be like, it, I can't imagine how painful that would be watching your team play like that after what you just accomplished. I mean, it was almost like the entire yeah. first round got erased and they rewound right back to the low point of the season with that Monday loss 6-1 to Edmonton following it up with that blown lead in Montreal. Well, I think some of this is about coaching. There's no doubt uh, in, in the Edmonton series, Paul Maurice was the better coach in that series. Connor Hellebuck was the better goalie in that series. And the Jets forwards, they were the ones with the timely goals. So they were better as well. In the Montreal series, none of those things happened. And and in in my opinion, you know, Paul Maurice did a really good job of making sure that that team bought into the hard checking that it was going to take to beat the Edmonton Oilers. And they did a great job of it. And they got the timely goals and they won. Then you go and you play Montreal that has no distinguishing between its four lines. There's nobody to play a specific hard checking style against. You got to do it the whole time. And Montreal plays that kind of game. And Montreal played that kind of game much better. They were all bought in. They were defensively structured. Carey Price played like what he is, which is one of the best goalies in the world. And it just wasn't close. And I, I mean, I don't know. We always talk about coaches needing to make adjustments on the fly. It seemed like they were never able to do anything strategy wise that changed the course of how things were going. Now I do believe that the long layoff, one of the longest layoffs you're ever going to see in the NHL of, of nine days between game to game um, did have an effect, but even the Jets themselves admitted they could only use that as a crutch in game one, the rest of it, it shouldn't have had an effect. In fact, they should have had better legs than the Montreal Canadiens well, did. And I never saw that. 
And just on that note, Ted, and, you know, I've talked about this on the program a few times and I mean, you know, we can talk about systems and we can talk about preparation and all that, but going into that series for the first time, you know, they'd had practice time, they'd had rest, they had all of this. And, you know, Maurice in some ways sort of gave a self-fulfilling prophecy going into that game saying, oh, I don't know how we're going to be in the first 10 minutes. The first 10 minutes will maybe look different than the second 10 minutes. And he was exactly right. They were down 2 nothing after 10 minutes of that game and playing catch-up, what became catch-up for the entire series of it. And you know what? I mean, I do have an issue. Like, if you know these challenges and you know what you're getting into um, and you have a team that's just coming off that seven-game series, I realize that it's easier said than done. But, I mean, it's almost like they sort of just said to each other, yeah, we're not going to be that good coming out of the gate. And then weren't that good coming out of the gate, lost that game. We saw how game number one ended and um, they were both behind the eight ball with lost players and in the series for really from the get go and, and never figured out anything close to being competitive and getting back into the series. Well, and I do think of course the, the Shifley hit on Evans, no matter how you see it was a big changer for that series as well, potentially. I mean, it's, it is quite possible that Montreal still did what they did to Winnipeg, even if Shifley was playing, even if that hadn't happened. Because not only was Shifley not playing, but I think it really fired Montreal up even more than they were already fired up. They sure didn't like what they saw there. And, uh, you know, a lot of people didn't like what they saw there. And uh, I, I will say right here, I don't think I've been on your show since then that, that I think it was a stupid play by Mark Shifley. I think he, I think it was a costly play and I think it was one that he just didn't need to do. And, you know, it was a harsh lesson. I don't think the suspension was, was accurate. I think it should have been lower, but I think he should have been suspended. And I think that, uh, you know, the jets paid a lot for that moment of, uh, you know, a lapse by Mark Shifley, and I think they're going to have to learn from it. But they should have been able to reset and come out and do things differently. But they were not able to even really make passes. They were not able to bring the puck through the neutral zone. They weren't really able to get it over their own blue line a lot of times. The last 20 minutes of that last game was as one-sided as I've seen in a long time. You know, it wasn't just possession time. It was possession domination. Yeah, and in, in a game all, where you have your backs against the wall, yeah. you're playing for your life, and you've just gotten two goals from Logan Stanley to tie the game up and actually give you some help. That was maybe the most disappointing part of the entire series. And you know what, Ted? We heard it from a ton of fans, and I mean, I certainly had that feeling. The team got to overtime, and you're almost wondering, and it's inconceivable that fans, hardcore fans, would feel this. We're like you know what, maybe it's better we just get put out of our misery right now because <laughs> the team has no business being in this game right now, winning this game. You get it back to Montreal, you get it back to Winnipeg, and yeah, you would have some hope. But I mean, there wasn't one bit of action on the ice that would give even the most optimistic rose-colored glasses fan an idea that, yeah, you know what, the Winnipeg Jets are in this game. They're in this series. They weren't. Yeah, and I'll tell you, I, I thought, that what I was getting at a bit there was that coaching was partly to blame because they weren't able to make those adjustments and play through it. But how do you, how does the coach win puck battles? He doesn't. And, and the jets never won puck battles in that series, especially when it came to anywhere near the blue paint, 
There wasn't a single rebound goal in the series for the Jets. There weren't a lot of rebound chances. There weren't a lot of cases where they were fighting in the corners with Montreal players, especially in their own zone, where they'd win because the Montreal players were coming out with pucks and not only coming out with pucks, but having somebody standing in the open like Tyler Toffoli was on the game-winning goal or Eric Stahl was in game one. It's like it, it was just it, it was just ugly. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. But you have to be able to win some battles to win a series, and the Jets did not win battles. Ted Wyman of the Winnipeg Sun with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, you know, after game two and game three, Blake Wheeler, amongst others, but specifically the captain, uh, you know, I guess was focusing on the positive and was saying, you know, he liked their game. He liked what they were doing. Um, what do you think he was referring to? What parts of the game do you think he <laughs> he liked? <laughs> what are you trying to make me come up with something on the spot here? Huh? <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess this goes to what we were talking about yesterday, you oh. know, and hearing, you know, a very positive and, Listen, I get yeah. it. You know, you know, fans want, you know, some sort of level of truth and accountability. And that's not really something that this Jets team or organization has ever done publicly. So it's probably unrealistic. But, you know, going from what we heard through the series to what we heard yesterday, um, I'm interested. You've covered this team for a long time. I mean, is this just sort of an acceptance that, hey, you know, it was great that we got through round one and you know, the Habs were a better, a much better team than us? Or is it that, you know, we sort of overachieved and we will get better going forward? Or is it just, you know, we had to say something after a, a yeah. miserable series like that? I guess there's two lines of thought on that, Huss. And one of them is that it does sound a little bit like Blake Wheeler saying, you know, you, you have to, you have to, um, give yourselves some credit for at least getting through to the second round. I mean, like, I, I think he truly believes that. And I think that everyone should truly believe that. It, you know, it's not that easy. There's 24 teams in the NHL that didn't make it that far. So, yeah, you got to, you know, there is something to that. Getting swept in the next round really was not good. But I, I just want to say that on my second line of thinking there, I think Blake Wheeler – at yesterday, at least, and I didn't understand his comments after the 5-1 game saying that he thought they played well. I, I didn't think they played well at all. And they really didn't play well in game four. Uh, you know, like, it, I just, it just didn't make sense what they were saying there. But the way he was talking yesterday was almost philosophical in that you, you, you bring in the pandemic as well. You bring in the situation with him and his family, which is, uh, he rightly pointed out that it's not just them. It's not the Jets aren't any worse off than anybody else. But that doesn't mean that it wasn't incredibly challenging for them. And I think maybe he was trying to put into perspective that, you know, getting along as far as we did and, and, and getting, you know, through that series, beating Edmonton, giving people, and I would, I would think probably a, a life highlight, for a lot of hockey fans in Winnipeg, they beat the <laughs> Absolutely. Oil. Count me in they that list. three games Listen. in overtime. I mean, it was something really thrilling. Swept the so Oilers. The curse. The, right. the team that's haunted us all of our lives. I mean, no, yeah. there, there's no doubt about it. And trust me, when I'm talking to my Oilers buddies or going on with the guys in Edmonton with Dusty on the Nielsen show, I will be more than happy to remind them about this series <laughs> for eternity, to be perfectly honest. Well, you um, can also say you're the guys, you're, you're the team that lost to the team that just got absolutely clobbered by Montreal in four games. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. And now we'll see what happens in the next round, whether um, 
But I, I will say this, the way the Habs played Winnipeg, um, I don't expect it to be an easy series for whoever wins this Vegas Colorado series, despite the fact that they once again will be big, big favorites. Um, you know, considering what's happened in the North division so far, um, Ted going into this off season. Now, um, there's a number of key free agents. There's some decisions to be made on players. You've got a guy like Andrew Kopp that's a restricted free agent coming up, and you've got an expansion draft. Let's just assume for a moment that the meetings the guys are having today and tomorrow, everything's moving forward as as is organizationally. I mean, I can't imagine for a second that there'd be any potential for a change in the general manager position. You know, sometimes strange things happen with coaching. It has been a long time. It was a miserable way the season ended. There could be some other opportunities for Paul Maurice out there. So I'm not entirely sure that 100% we've got the coach, but let's just say for sake of this discussion that that is the case. Um, Going forward for the organization, I mean, what are the, once you get through the expansion draft and certainly depending on what player you you lose, that will, you know, add another thing on the to-do list for the general manager. But where's the focus? Where is the where is the, the the number one thing on the to-do list looking ahead to this? Is it acquiring a defenseman by a free agency or defense? Or is it moving around some pieces so you've got room for Billy Hainala for potentially Dylan Sandberg to come in and legitimately get opportunities to be in the lineup, not just be on the team? How do you see this playing out? Yeah, interesting that you you started with the defense and ended there. I mean, because I I feel like that is the case. I think both your your points are are correct. They they probably should be trying to target a free agent that can really do something for him. I mean, let's not forget Derek Forbert is an unrestricted free agent again now too, and he did a lot of good work for the Jets this season, um, mostly by being unnoticeable, which I think is you know really a good thing for a defenseman. But aside from maybe re-signing him, I don't know whether that would be on the table. You know, maybe someone with a little more. Uh, top four minute uh, experience and clout, I think would be a big thing for this team, but also, yeah, get those young guys in change the look of things for this defense. Um, and Billy Hanela has to be a part of this team next year. In my opinion, he's a good player. He's already shown at the NHL level that he can play and that he's a good player. He's shown he's and got a good sense well, of humor right? too. Did you see his, uh, did you see his Instagram post today? I didn't. <laughs> It was a it was five pictures from this season, and it was him with in the with the Jets, him with the Moose, him with Finland with the junior team, him with Finland playing pro, and the the final picture was the Bernie Sanders picture of him just sitting there in the chair with Billy's <laughs> head photoshopped on it, um, referring to there it is for folks that are watching on YouTube where he was sitting. <laughs> I mean. Absolutely yep. hilarious. Abs- absolutely hilarious. So, I mean, I think he's having a little bit of fun with it. He'll be motivated. And, and you know, the Jets did let that ELC slide, which I think big picture is a good thing, you know, when it comes to team control. Uh, but there's no doubt about it. This young man is going to, um, pr- I would assume, get every opportunity to be an impact player right from the drop of the puck next year. Well, puck moving was a problem. And, you know, Josh Morris is a good puck mover. Neil Pionk's a good puck mover. Logan Stanley's looking like one, but against Montreal, nobody was able to do it very well. And and you couldn't help but think, well, is there anyone out there that can move the puck and make moves in the phone booth and make great passes and, and you know, play that kind of offensive game? Well, yeah, he's sitting in the press box. So, you know, I don't know how anyone in that organization could have seen that series, 
knowing that he's where he is and not thought, well, next year he's going to be a part of this team and we're not going to be dealing with that issue again as much, you know, but then it all comes down to where you're going to fit him in. Um, because obviously the guys who are lead, who potentially leaving, sorry, Derek Forbert and Tucker Pullman are the unrestricted free agents. Well, they're the bigger guys. They're the beef other than Logan Stanley. And then there's obviously the problem of uh, most likely not being able to protect four defensemen, which means that uh, either Stanley or DeMello or conceivably Maurice Morrissey or Pionk is going to be exposed, but most likely one of Stanley or DeMello. And I would think from a lot of people's standpoints after watching that series, although Dylan DeMello is clearly a very good player and has served the Jets well, I don't think a lot of people would like to see them lose Logan Stanley to the Seattle Kraken. Yeah, I know. And I would imagine that goes um, for Kevin Sheveldayoff and Paul Maurice as well, considering what Stanley was able to do this season. Ted, final one for you. Um, I'm not sure what's happening today, whether they're having meetings between the coaching staff and reviewing what happened in the Montreal series or overall. But tomorrow we'll hear from Paul Maurice and we'll hear from Kevin Sheveldayoff. What, what are you? What do you expect to hear? What will the tone be of the coach and general manager's address? And what do you think we'll, uh, we'll get from um, the two most important um, non-players within the organization? I'm looking forward to hearing that myself, Huss, to be honest. Uh, I, I think it, it probably is a similar message to what you've already heard, that it was a very unique season, that maybe some of the decisions on roster were made because of the uniqueness of the season. Like I, I, I think people criticize Palmeries for not wanting to bring in Hanela or Samberg or play Veseline in much or Jansen Harkins, but I'm pretty sure he'll tell you that in the shortened season, he wanted the most veteran players available to deal with the challenges of, of what was already a difficult situation. And so, uh, you know, I think that, uh, I think he probably says that that isn't necessarily a philosophy of the organization, but it was this year. And I would be surprised if Kevin Chevalier wasn't supportive of that. I mean, and, and certainly they did allow uh, the, the slide on the contract for Billy Hanela, which, you know, obviously if he was going to be in that range of only playing seven games, I think that's how many he could have played this year without having his contract kick in. They sure as heck weren't, weren't going to go over it for no good reason. Right. Uh, so that's another thing, but yeah, I mean, Kevin Sheveldayoff, uh, well, you know, he's going to be asked about the Patrick Liney trade, you know, they, they made a move where they believed that, uh, trading Patrick Liney and Jack Roslick was the best situation for them. And the move was made specifically to get a number one center and, uh, who was going to give the Jets a one and a one a in, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. Well, that absolutely did not work out yet. Uh, there's obviously still a chance down the road that that's going to work out, but that's something else that absolutely needs to be discussed by Kevin Sheveldayoff. Um, if he, you know, if, if there's any, you know, thoughts on why that trade didn't quite work out. And he also, I think needs to answer for why he didn't uh, acquire another player at the trade deadline, conceivably who could have made this team just that little bit better. Because we've seen with a lot of guys, Kyle P. Palmieri on, uh, in New York uh, is one of them. And Travis Zajac, the Winnipegger there as well. And, you know, Eric Stahl in Montreal. These guys were, you know, key performers. And the Jets didn't really bring in anybody that could even give them that kind of playoff boost. So I think that's something that needs to be 
discussed and uh, and pointed out and hear what he has to say about it. Yeah, well, it, it will be a very interesting day considering the way the season ended. Um, you know, just a week ago, there was so much excitement going into the series, and uh, it is stunning that we're having these conversations so quickly. Uh, but here we are going into the off season. What will be a very interesting off season? There's no one thing that will be guaranteed, Ted. There'll be no shortage of things for us to talk about throughout the summer regarding the Winnipeg Jets before we get back to training camp next fall. Well, absolutely, and they're going to be. It's all going to be happening right when the Bombers are getting going. It's going to be old times again, where uh, there's too much sports to write about. This we Let's, would like. To see. Fingers crossed. Got one of these for you. The next time we see a Teddy. Looking forward to it, my friend. <laughs> Thanks for doing this. There's Ted Wyman of the Winnipeg Sun. Give him a follow on Twitter at Ted underscore Wyman. Um, and Ted also has done quite a bit of YouTube content throughout the playoffs with the Sun. You can check that on the Sun page. Great stuff with Ted. Hey, Destructions here. What up, D? Great to have you here. A split. The whole gang. Pierogies and pucks with us. Tikona Polly. Great to see everybody with us in the chat. Hit that like button if you haven't already. That's the thumbs up. And uh, for anyone that hasn't already subscribed, please make sure you hit the red subscribe button. And um, as I said, for everyone listening on the podcast, five-star review if you could. And uh, just a little comment or review would be a big, big help to us as we continue to grow the channel. All right, before we get back to Remus, do you want to thank Boston Pizza uh, we know how tough it is for restaurants right now. We were hoping that there might be some patio dining in the future. Well, there is in the future. Uh, not soon enough for many of us. But right now, we can still support our local restaurants, all the people that work there by ordering. And um, I will certainly be uh, getting on some BP over the course of the next few days. Potentially that game day meal with the spicy pierogi pizza, the meteor pizza, and the 24 wings. Although it's a little bit much because I can't have people over right now. Um, but maybe when I get together with four friends outside, I'll bring the game day meal and we can have a little outdoor picnic or something. Pizza pairs still going or pizza flight still going on as well. A great deal right now. Bostonpizza.ca or .com. Order online. Takeout delivery. And we'll see you for a schooner in the BP lounge as soon as is safe and possible. Of course, Aikens Lake. Hoping that the Aikens gang will be able to get open very soon and get back on the water um, world-class fly-in fishing lodge right here in Manitoba. Less than two hours, you'll be on the water from the perimeter in Winnipeg with uh, just incredible people run by the Turen family. Find out more online at AikensLake.com or hit them up on Twitter at AikensLake. And uh, we just finished up another week of live racing out at Assiniboia Downs. Uh, I was so fired up. We'll get to this in a moment. Um, hit the big Quinella with half my stack in race one, finally making up some ground on Remus. And then Remus nails the winner later on. So it was actually a great night for both of our picks. Both finished nicely up, but I still have a lot of, uh, ever since Remus dropped his entire 20 on some random horse in race one of day one and got the W, I've had a a, a major group of ground to make up in the duel at the downs, but we had a great time. They're back at it on Monday. You can bet on the races at hpibet.com along with us, watch them as well. And um, you can also do it with races around from tracks around the world, seven days a week. It's all there at hpibet.com. And before every day of live racing, don't forget six 45 it's ASD live on the Assiniboia Downs site and the Assiniboia Downs YouTube page. All right, let's get Remo back in here. And 
Remo, we knew things would settle down in the chat a little bit now that the uh, playoff series against Montreal is over, but uh, I have been seeing it's been uh, kind of sort of a quiet day for you. You have not yet to eliminate anybody from the battle royal that is the Winnipeg Sports Talk chat and throw viewers over the top rope, I see. No, it's actually been pretty chill. I, I know Sean mentioned uh, Rock'em Sock'em videos when you talk with him. Well, I was just, you know, sitting here watching my copy of Don Cherry uh, 16. So, yeah, didn't really have to do too much at all. How many of those were there? I think there were, I think there were like, oh, they're over like 20 something. Like, I think I bought one at Dollarama at one point, actually. But, um, I, I, I mean, the early ones. Getting the, one of the early ones. Yeah. And I mean, you were just so fired up to see those. I mean, it was just the hits, the fights. I mean, it the, was, uh, it was yeah. a different time in the hockey world. But, um, I mean, listen, I'm not a big fan of Don Cherry, to be honest, but I will tell you. I loved the Rock'em Sock'em videos when I was a kid. It did have its time, though. I, I, I'm amazed that there was edition 16 of the uh, of the, the package. Waiters says, Waiters27 in chat says there were 35 of them. Sean underscore 37 says, he says there weren't enough of them. And I kind of <laughs> agree. You need those. I will say Don Cherry 5 on VHS. I don't know if anyone had that. There is part of it where he does his rap, which is unbelievable and the most like 90s so i'm sure it's on youtube i could even pull it up right now and i'm sure we'd have a good time a shout out to assiniboia downs in the chat it wasn't just let's wear three layers of goggles sloppy but rubber boots required yeah all sorts of weather this week out at assiniboia downs um i i will say and again it doesn't really matter right now because we uh there are no fans allowed Mm -hmm. but um Great weather next week for racing and just for getting outside. So, and I guess, and you know, we'll find out more on this. We were kind of alluding to the potential of having fans at Bomber Games. I would imagine, I know Darren Dunn mentioned to us earlier on that their their plan is to go ahead with the Monday, Wednesday, or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday for this season, assuming there won't be fans. But the fact that we might be able to get to 25 and 50% opening, I would assume might mean we can uh, get together at the track at some point, albeit with mm-hmm. limited capacity. And if that was the case, that would be uh, that would be phenomenal. I will be getting there at the first available opportunity I'll, making it happen. I'll say this. You can have five people over. I'm going to be setting up a TV outside, putting on the Assiniboia Downs uh, YouTube. Yes. And uh, just getting everyone on their phone doing HPI bet and uh, betting on the Downs. That would be fun. I'm... I'm actually thinking about doing that, having a horse racing night. That'd be pretty sweet. <laughs> oh, Mitch, Motown Mitch. I got screwed in race six by an inquiry. The four that bumped the two horse and two got DQ'd. What the hell? LOL. Yeah. That, that's harsh. And you apparently won some crazy photo finish. Uh, that's I gotta the reason pull- why you're ca- caught up to me last night. I got to pull it up. Yeah, the horse I won, McCaig, which I beat all the Assiniboia Downs handicappers. Shout out to me, giving myself the Barry Horowitz. This <laughs> horse was like, it was it was within striking distance, but literally caught up like right before the finish and they had to do a photo after and he won by a nose. It was, <laughs> I was like in bed on my phone watching it, uh, just like going crazy and my wife's like, what are you going so nuts about? <laughs> well, and you're, uh, you got a shout out from the guys from Kirk and Stretch and Marsh who tweeted oh, out, they? Michael, yeah, Michael Remus last night at Sports Talk Winnipeg with the winner. Should we feel bad? No, don't feel bad. You just got clipped by the red hot Remus on the other. Uh, I'm hot. I'm hoping this beginner's luck kind of wears out at some point and I can get back into it. But I did get a win last night. I was up for the night. So very, very happy about that. Um, 
Remo, I, I, now while I've been doing the interviews, any word on Jared Bednar's status for tonight's game? A pretty wild um, report this morning that Bednar wasn't there for the morning skate because there was COVID-19 discrepancies in testing. And can you imagine going in on the road in Vegas in a game with your backs against the wall that could be your season without your head coach? Um, certainly that is not what the Colorado Avalanche were hoping to see. But considering the way he's called out his players, especially the top players this series, maybe they'll be happy if the coach isn't on the bench and they can just go out and get the job done. Either way, this should be a great game tonight and um, a lot on the line for Vegas and Colorado. Vegas obviously wants to win this at home in front of their home crowd and not have to go back to Denver and try and figure out how to beat the Avalanche in the altitude once again. Yes, uh, we had, don't have any information. He might be available. He might not. I'm looking at Mike Chambers from the Denver Post. He says Jednar, Jared Bednar was absent in Game 6 morning skate, and that's all we know. Uh, I saw some people complaining about the players that they trotted out to the media, not exactly their star players. Um, I don't doesn't really affect me, but that's, that's where we're at with this right now. Um. Speaking of the Stanley Cup playoffs, we've got to give a shout out to Barry Trotz and the New York Islanders. They did the job last night, 6-2 at home in the Rockin' Coliseum. There will be more hockey at the Coliseum. It'll be the finals of the, well, I guess they're no longer the conference finals. It's just simply the final four. Semi-finals, that's right. Um, You got Tampa Bay and you have the New York Islanders. Boston is out. I know our uh, friend, the Bruins fan girl, is uh, here often. Uh, thoughts and prayers to you in the Bruins nation. Um, you know, got as far as the Jets. Congratulations on that. Um, and now the Islanders move on. What a great story. Do it again. Back-to-back years to the Final Four for Barry Trotz and a team that is always an underdog going up against the Titans of the league. They were underdog in every game against Boston. I expect to be the same thing against the Tampa Bay Lightning. But big, big props to the New York Islanders for getting the job done. And uh, and Reem, let's get to this clip. I mean, there's a lot of talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, and the fact that, you know, they have uh, expertly manipulated injuries to uh, trick the salary cap system. And uh, it sounded like there were some players on the Carolina Hurricanes that wanted to make a, a note of that as they uh, met the media for the final time. Yeah, you know, other teams too, not just the Jets are doing their end of season media stuff. And uh, Dougie Hamilton, he pointed out what we've all been saying. So it's not just us paying attention. Uh, here's his comments. We're definitely close. I think it's, uh, we had a great season. Uh, we lost a team that's $18 million over the cap or whatever they are. And, um, unbelievable goalie and, and all that stuff. I thought we, we played them pretty close. Yeah, sorry, you couldn't hear that, Hus, but everyone else could. I'm not okay, sure why. Okay, there you go. So, uh, yeah, 18 million over the cap. Just uh, don't forget that, folks. Um, you know, there was a lot of people in the National Hockey League that weren't very pleased about what was happening, and we were talking about it all season. We knew it was going to happen. A miraculous return in Nikita Kucherov just in time for the playoffs. Steven Stamkos as well. And, um, you know, the Lightning, to their credit, you know, utilize the rules as they are set out in the CBA and uh, have an absolute powerhouse. Do you give the Islanders yep. much of a chance against the Lightning? I do. Yeah. 
Yes. Well, first of all, Huss, we do play videos going forward. We do have Cole Perfetti and some other Jets from yesterday. If those will you will be able to hear those next time we play them. Excellent. But um, that's a technical uh, behind the scenes thing going on here with us. But as far as that, I, I do wonder if if the NHL looks to um, changes because it was so obvious once Kucherov was hurt in the off season that conveniently he would return. I mean, you don't need to kill yourself playing in the. Uh, in this regular season, Tampa was going to get there without him. I mean, they won the cup last year without Stamkos. You know, they make a couple of trades, they end up coming over the cap. Uh, and wasn't there all this question last summer? It was like, oh, well, how are they going to keep all these guys under the salary cap? They had some RFAs they needed to sign. Well, the Kucherov injury hops up and yada, yada, yada. $18 million over the cap when the playoffs <laughs> start. So, yeah. uh, I mean, they're kind of upset about it. I mean, it's, hey, it's within the rules. He's just pointing it out that they were. And maybe the NHL looks. As far as the Islanders... I don't think you can count out Barry Trotz at all. It's amazing no, to think don't that do it. when you know when he left Washington, Washington hasn't won a playoff series since he left, and the Islanders have won like they're among close to Tampa Bay with most playoff games won. So uh, it's incredible the success that he has wherever he goes. Barry Trotz, um, you know, they also lost John Tavares in free agency. They were all you know burning Tavares jerseys. They seem to be in a much better spot now. Um, <laughs> you know, people are saying. You know, Toronto kicked Lou Lamorello to the curb. He's now GM of the Islanders, and they go and, you know, they get J.G. Pajot. They go get some back other double. Like, years to the yeah. Final Four with that roster. Yeah, and... Every uh, goalie this year, I mean, they change things. It's, um, listen, you know, Lou deserves a lot of credit, but I think Barry Trotz deserves the most, as well as, you know, the players that buy into every single thing that he drops down and plays that way, and um, they got it done. Beat a really good Boston team to move on to the Final Four. Uh, of mm-hmm. course, tonight, as we mentioned, Vegas, Colorado, Game 6. We'll get to that in a minute when we do our lines for Cool Bet, as well as Euro 2020. I know it's 2021. You know why it's still Euro 2020. That's beginning tomorrow. We're going to get to some uh, futures odds for teams to win. And for uh, everyone that's got some skin in the game or has some thoughts on it, we'll get your thoughts on who will win in the chat in just a couple minutes. But, Remo, let's hear from Cole Perpetti. The um, Jets' first-rounder had quite the season. The Ontario Hockey League wasn't playing, ended up playing in the World Juniors, had a great run with the Manitoba Moose in the American Hockey League, playing against men and flourishing, and then finished it up as a member of the World Champions Team Canada at the gold, the gold medal winners at the World Hockey Championships. And um, Perfetti met the media today. We've got a few clips from the Jets' first rounder, and he talked about the wild season that he had this year. Yeah, it was uh, it was a long year. It was a hectic year, starting from the draft and and going to World Juniors and all that, and and being away from home and stuff like that, not seeing family for a while. But uh, you know, it was an amazing year, and being able to finish it off with a gold medal, come home with that, and um, you know, be a world champion is uh, something pretty special. And and uh, you know, it was just a perfect way to end off this this first year pro and and uh, you know this this amazing run that I've been that we that I've amazing journey i'd rather say that i've been on the last eight months here you know uh it it was a wild eight months and i mean everyone's life has been turned upside down by the pandemic and you know we've talked about this before i mean of everyone that i feel sorry for i mean the really old that have been alone and isolated throughout this have had a real tough time but man i mean teenagers kids in just those key developmental years have had their entire lives turned upside down and i'd say about 99 percent of young men in Cole Perfetti's situation um, were probably, you know, damaged long-term, you know, as far as their aspirations, what they were doing. 
Perfetti's a one percenter and that he had the opportunity to not only play at the World Juniors, but then get an opportunity to play in the American Hockey League. And the benefits of what he was able to do this year in a unique year, I think, are going to help him tenfold when it comes to potentially being a Jet player next year. You know, if this hadn't happened, I would assume that he probably would have been going back to the Ontario Hockey League and it would put have pushed his path to the NHL back at least one year. I'm not so sure anymore. I mean, when you play the way he did at the American Hockey League level, score the way he did, show that he was ready to challenge men, you have to think that he's ready to be a pro. Now, unfortunately, there is no AHL option for Perfetti next year. But I think, you know, if this hadn't happened, the chances of him making the club next season would probably be quite low. Now, I'm not sure that the organization wants him to go back to junior. You know, after everything he's done this year, playing at a lower level, dominating again as, you know, at the 19-year-old, I don't know. So I, I think that the window for Cole Perfetti to potentially be a member of the Winnipeg Jets way wider than it would have been otherwise. Um, Of course, he just got back from the World Championships with a shiny gold medal. Cole Perfetti had this to say about the experience being a member of the uh, World Champs. Yeah, so obviously being on the ice was crazy, like... I remember I couldn't get over the boards fast enough when Paulie scored. Um, you know, I, my, I was just dying to get over the boards, throw my gloves up in the air and start celebrating. It was, you know, so much excitement, so much joy. And, and yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. So, um, you know, you, winning never gets old. And I haven't done that in a couple of years. So that was a pretty cool feeling to, to finally get a gold medal and, and uh, you know, win with Hockey Canada. Um, and for what brought us together, I don't even – I don't even know, like, 0-3, first team to ever go 0-2, let alone 0-3 to start the tournament. So um, I think people just counted us out, and and we kind of used that as motivation. Like, no one expected anything from us, even when we when we squeezed into the to the playoff round. Um, you know, everyone kind of wrote us off losing to Russia right away, and they were the number one seed in the tournament. And, um, you know, they just got some big stars like Bobrovsky and Tarasenko in their lineup. And, you know, we just – form together and, and use that as motivation and all the people doubting us and, and ended up, uh, you know, camps played really good, played strong defense and, and, you know, got some timely goals um, and, you know, carried that momentum through every game. And, and once we won the Russian game, you know, we had a sense of confidence in the room that was just, you know, pretty strong. And, and we knew that we had the best team there we could do. We just hadn't found our groove early on in the tournament. Um, you know, but that, at that point, once we beat Russia, we, you know, we knew we, we had what it takes and, and we had our groove going. So um, I don't think there was any individual moment, just kind of like over time, the progression of how much people were doubting us and 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 just writing us off, uh, just use that as motivation for sure. And that kind of turned everything around. All right, there's Cole Perfetti discussing his, uh, what an experience he had at the World Hockey Championships for a young man. Schickster uh, in the chat, shout out Schickster, asking why is there no AHL option? That's part of the agreement from the national between the National Hockey League and the Canadian Hockey League, where if players that are drafted from CHL teams uh, at 19-year-olds, if they do not make the club, have to go back to junior as opposed to going to the American Hockey League. It's a contentious rule. There's many general managers in the NHL that would like some sort of an exception for a player like Perfetti that's clearly outplayed his time in junior that might not be 100% ready for the National Hockey League to do that, but I don't imagine there'll be any changes before next year. So really the options are play with the Winnipeg Jets 
or go back to the Ontario Hockey League for Cole Perfetti. All that being said, we've talked about what he's been through, the gains that he has made as a player, the experience that he's received and earned. And Cole Perfetti talked about just um, the, the confidence he, he gained through playing against men and all the different experiences he's had over the last eight months. Yeah, well, this is this whole year has been major for me. Like being to play, being able to play in the HL, get the pro experience, what it's like to play with men, kind of realize what I need to work on this summer to get to that next step, and then obviously playing at the Worlds with a bunch of NHL guys. You know, I was really happy with my play. I was, you know, very. Um, I felt very good on the ice, very confident, um, able to make plays and, and was very happy with, with how it went, um, kind of made me realize, you know, there's obviously lots and lots and lots of work to do, but you know, I'm not as far away as I thought I was. I don't think, I think, uh, you know, I proved myself, you know, I proved a lot to myself. I think I, you know, showed that I can, can play with the physicality of men all year, the, the strength, the speed, um, can make plays. Obviously, it's just going to be coming, becoming a man and, and getting getting more more strength, getting that natural strength and stuff like that that, you know, is going to come with being in the gym and all that. But, uh, you know, big year for me confidence-wise and realizing where I am and, and how much work needs to be done and, and uh, you know, definitely know what I need to work on in the next couple of months here before heading to, to Jets camp. Yeah, an important summer, a big summer, but a quick summer as we're already in the middle of June. And, um, you know, come September, we assume that NHL clubs will be getting back together with somewhat regular training camps and looking ahead to next season with fans in the stands. Fingers crossed. What a year it's been for Cole Perfetti. And, uh, Reem, I don't know where you are on him. I mean, you know, we know the way the Jets handle their younger players and prospects. Um, this is a very unique situation in that, um, this is a guy who was thought to be a top five pick. Jets got pretty fortunate with him falling to them in the 10 spot. They couldn't get to the podium faster. And now, um, you know, despite everything that's happened and how damaging it's been for so many players, Cole Perfetti is sort of the the unicorn, if you will, a guy that took advantage of this strange year and benefited more than just about anybody in his position. I think that really does make him a realistic shot at cracking the lineup next year. It was hard not to watch Montreal and look at Cole Caulfield, who's basically a year older than Cole Perfetti, and see what he did for them and wonder if Cole Perfetti, you know, in this upcoming season could do that for the Jets. You know, they could have definitely used some of that energy that he could bring. Um, we know he, that he played well in the AHL. You know, by the end, he was, you know, player of the month. Um, made the, you know, was named to the Team Canada team. I mean, I have no idea if he could or not, but maybe put him in, give him a shot. Um, you're kind of limited for the options, Huss. If you can't go back to junior, I mean, sorry, if you can't go back to the AHL and he has to go to junior, I'm not sure like, what the benefit is there if he's already had success at the AHL. So um, that is something that we're going to be watching you know, going in, and maybe it, I wonder if it affects how they approach the offseason. You know, one thing about the offseason I was thinking today, like the last couple of years, you know, you, the Jets have always done that token veteran signing to the one-year deal, the Mark Letestu, Matt Hendricks, Nate Thompson. Do they do that again, or is, are they going to throw in like a Perfetti and a Gustafson? And how many of these young guys as well? I mean, Hainala and Sandberg as well, too. I mean, are, those, are they going to start the season with that many young guys in the lineup? Um, or do they go for a trade? I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. And they also have the first pick in this year's draft. I mean, how many young guys do you need when you have the best goalie dragging your team into the playoffs. It seems I, I agree that I don't think they're that far off 
um, as you know, as some might think, you know, but I mean, there's still got a couple pieces to go, but I, I think it's attainable. No. Yeah. Oh, listen, I got a lot of optimism about the young players that are coming in. I don't think it's just going to be the young players that come in and all of a sudden turn the jets into a team that looked the way they did against Montreal into a world beater next year. Um, but you know, I, I certainly think that, you know, continuing to inject talented young players into the lineup can help. I mean, the, the thing about it is, is are they going to get an opportunity to play? I mean, you know, the whole Billy Hanelis situation this year, listen, I totally understand the fact that, you know, they didn't want to activate the contract, but, you know, the the month of not playing um, probably didn't help him very much. But again, it's a unique season um, and some things I don't think could be avoided. You had that taxi squad. They thought they might need him. They did play him at times. Um, so, you know, going in. But I, I think Gustafson absolutely is in that spot um, that Nate Thompson is in um, on opening day. I, I do believe that. Now, I still do think there'll be room for a player. Like if Paul Maurice is coaching this team next year, you can count on some sort of veteran presence on that fourth line, whether it's Trevor Lewis returning to play with a guy like Gustafson or, you know, another similar one year, you know, $1 million signing. I, I think that will be the case, but I do think there's definitely room for Gustafson. Um, we'll see whether Perfetti can go in and show that, you know, he can play in that top nine, um, you know, at the beginning of the year, if he can, then I think there's a spot for him. If he can't, unfortunately, that probably means another year of junior hockey. And, um, you know, as far as the defense, Hanel, I think for sure, Sandberg, I think we'll have a chance to, you know, prove his spot. And, you know, there's another guy, and I don't know, maybe this is maybe another year away, but Dave Manouk, um, and obviously I've seen some of the Moose games this year and watched some of them. I haven't been in the building. Um, but Johnny Kovacevic has quietly sort of emerged as one of those originally off-the-radar prospects that has turned into a very capable American Hockey League player and Remo, thinking about how big those Habs defensemen were through that series and what they did to the Winnipeg Jets, I don't think there'd be many, many very many people that wouldn't mind another big guy like a 6'5 beast like Kovacevic alongside Logan Stanley on that Jet blue line next season, especially when you get to playoff time, if he can hack it in the big league. Yeah, they need some, uh, you know, we always joke about, uh, and I think I saw Anthony Stewart tweet this out too, Nintendo ice hockey. You know, you got the skinny guys, medium guys, big guys. Your favorite. The, my favorite, the Jets on their defense, they got too many uh, skinny guys and medium guys. They only got one big guy in Logan Stanley. So I think you have to have more of a, a balance. I'm not saying skinny guys, medium guys can't play hockey, but uh, you're not going all skinny when you're picking your roster. You're you're trying to mix it up and uh, no, trying to ma sure. match the other teams. And, and again, um, you know, the thought of three rookies being in the defense court next year, uh, highly unlikely. Um, yes. And not to mention there's got to be space for them. But, you know, I know we spent a lot of time talking about Sandberg and Hanola. Um, don't sleep on Kovacevic as um, a potential defenseman in the near future for the Winnipeg Jets. Maybe not necessarily next season. Um, okay, I do want to get to the cool bet lines because we want to get to it. Do you want to get to, uh, we do have a couple other clips from Jets from yesterday. Do we want to get to Cop and DeMello? Uh, I mean, Cop's like three minutes. Do we want to play those? Do people in chat want to hear from Cop and DeMello and Stanley? I don't know. We can let them, we can let them uh, say. Yeah, well, Cop's say, always we... interesting. I do yeah. want to play Cop. Like, let's do Cop because... Okay. There's also the potential gonna say, that this is his last game with the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, he is an RFA. They do have the rights to, to sign him. We all remember that he went to arbitration the last time he 
signed a deal with the Winnipeg Jets. And I'll never forget, you know, he came on our program afterwards and we talked to him about the new deal. And uh, as often happens when you go through the arbitration process, um, it's not fun. And listen, he got his deal, but, you know, was not really didn't seem enamored with everything that he went through to get that. And I remember talking to Rick and Remo off air afterwards going, geez, you wonder if that means it'll be a lot more difficult to get a deal done, you know, the next time around. Now, Andrew Kopp has proven himself to be invaluable for the Winnipeg Jets this season. And despite he and a lot of guys having rough series against Montreal, had a career year, a career high in goals, points, uh, played all around the lineup and really proved to be one of the most important and versatile members of the Winnipeg Jets. So he talked about his season as well as what's to come, which of course is signing a new contract for next year. Here's Andrew Kopp. Um, I mean, I don't think we're very far off at all. I think, you know, we, uh, like, like Nikki said, you know, we, we, we believe in our core. Um, you know, I think we had a lot of great pieces in here. Um, that, you know, are capable of going all the way. So, um, you know, obviously there's going to be, there's always changes year to year and it's just kind of a matter of making the right changes to kind of push us over the top. Um, you know, I think we got to find a way to be a little bit harder to play against and, um, and maybe be more consistent on a night to night basis. But I think we got a lot of pieces here for that. And, um, I, don't, I think our belief is there and, uh, I think that's, you know, we have the belief and the talent, and it's just kind of a matter of putting it all together. We'll go next to Ken Weeb from Sportsnet. Go ahead, Weber. Thanks, Gregor. For Andrew, please, uh, we know hockey is a business. Uh, how will you uh, how will you uh, look at these contract negotiations, and is a long-term deal a priority for you and your camp? Yeah, I don't really think anything's off the table at this point. Um, you know, we'll go through those conversations, uh, you know, where they see me, you know, moving forward here, uh, you know, the direction of the team, um, you know, what, what we're going to do to, to make us, to make us better, uh, you know, are the two biggest things for me. So um, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say anything's off the table at this point. And uh, I'm sure with, you know, everything kind of happening sooner rather than later that uh, that'll get done. That'll get uh, addressed, you know, pretty quickly. Go next to Murata Tesh from the athletic. Go ahead, Murata. Also for Andrew, I remember after your arbitration two years ago, you, you kind of said it wasn't fun, but rest assured you're not going to be gone right away like it happens to some arbitration guys. And here you are. Um, I'm wondering what your perspective in, is heading into, sorry, not heading into, reflecting back on the two years that's been since that time. Yeah, I mean, you know, looking back, you know, you want to be as much of a priority as possible. Right. So like you want to, you want to be important to the, you know, not only, you know, on the ice and to the team and everything like that, but off the ice in the room, leadership, all that stuff. And I feel like over the last two years of, you know, really taken steps from, from where I was. So, um, you know, I, at the time, I guess, you know, where with, where we were with contracts and, you know, Casey and Patty were still unsigned and, uh, you know, we saw buff and there's, you know, it was, it was a tight cap. So, um, you know, I can understand, you know, looking back on from, from their point, from their perspective and my own, I wouldn't change a thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm happy with my development over the course of the last two years. And I think that, I think that I still have levels to get to. So, um, 
you know, I don't think two years ago is going to impact, you know, the contract situation this year. All right. There you have Andrew Kopp. An interesting just final comment. I don't think two years ago, you know what he's referring to, the uh, very contentious arbitration hearing between the player and the team. And, um, you know, I think pretty much every, you know, most Winnipeg Jet fans appreciate what Andrew Kopp's done for this team, how important he is as a member of this team, and particularly that on Lowry line, and if needed, in other spots. And, um, Remo, you would think that that would absolutely be one of the priorities for the Winnipeg Jets, because not only do they have to consider his situation in signing him, but also protecting him, uh, presumably, um, against the Seattle Kraken come uh, expansion draft time. Yeah, it's funny. I was, you know, tweeting out uh, some of the comments yesterday from Paul Stasny and other Jets, and someone said to me, they tweeted at me, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if all of the Jets UFAs weren't re-signed, and that's kind of interesting. I mean, you look at who do we got? Nate Thompson, Trevor Lewis. Um, they play in the fourth Perot, line. Perot, Perot Stasny, Stasny Poolman, Forbort. Uh, so, and I was like, you know what? You know, you put it that way, I think it kind of makes sense. I mean. Maybe they bring back Pullman. I think Pullman, you know, he showed in the Edmonton series in a third pair role, he was solid. And I think Forward could be pretty good in there in that role as well. Um, but, but back to Andrew Kopp, you have to wonder if he's kind of, you know, priced himself out of the Jets' cap structure like um, Brandon Tanev did, but he's an RFA. They have his rights. I don't know if they would make a trade or, or sign him. But that is uh, that is definitely one. I I mean we're big fans of Andrew Kopp here. He's came on this show. We like the way that he plays. I think he showed maybe in the playoffs that you know maybe he's not a number one center, but as a number three, you know he was very he had a career year and he set himself up uh, nicely. So uh, we will see how that goes. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean he um, listen timing is everything, and he had a monster year going into. You know, his final year of being a restricted free agent. And, you know, the Jets will qualify him. They'll try and work something out and get a deal done going forward. Um, but, you know, he's certainly, and if for whatever reason, he's not part of this mix next year due to a trade or whatnot, um, which I don't expect, um, you know, you do have to figure out, you know, who's playing that role because he did not just do his role. He played a bunch of other roles. And, first yeah. of all, and I will say this selfishly from someone on the media side of things, um, I don't think they're the only player that I would miss more in front of the microphone. If he wasn't with the club is Connor Hellebuck. I mean, after Connor, Andrew Kopp, the most straightforward, honest, and, um, you know, he's this, he's a straight shooter for the most part. And he's given us a lot of the best sound we've had from any player, uh, outside of the goal crease, I think over the course of the past few years. And I appreciate that. And I think a lot of fans do as well. Yeah, I I agree with that. I always love hearing what he has to say. Him and Adam Lowry are two guys who I think I always um, tune in when they got to say something. They don't really give you the uh, regular BS. Um, but yeah, Andrew Kopp, a guy, he can play, you know, center, wing, penalty kill, power play. I mean, there were games this year where he led the team in ice time. Now, I don't know if that's a reflection of him or a reflection of... Uh, the game script or the coaching well, no, staff. It's definitely but, him. It probably yeah. means that there was a lot of special teams because that's the thing. I yeah. mean, cops playing a regular role, um, you know, on a healthy jets team going up against the top players on the other, on the other squad with Adam Lowry and Mason Appleton playing significant minutes PK, as well as, you know, being a big part of one of the two power play units. So, I mean, Andrew cop proved his worth tenfold this year to the Winnipeg jets and, you know, that will be a priority signing for Winnipeg as they go forward. Tomorrow, we'll have a lot more Jets content because 
Kevin Sheveldayoff and Paul Maurice are speaking before the program. We'll have the majority of their comments for you on the show, as well as um, full recap discussion and, um, you know, kind of comments from you on what we heard from the coach and the GM after the end of the season, heading into a very important off season for the Winnipeg Jets. All right, Remo, let's get to some odds for coolbet.com tonight. Uh, we will post our odds of the day on the Winnipeg Sports Talk Twitter account. If you're not following already, it's at Sports Talk WPG. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, all with the same handle, at Sports Talk WPG. We'll also have a deposit bonus if you want to uh, bet on the hockey or the upcoming Euro. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be polling the chat in a moment, so stay tuned, folks. But first off, tonight in the NHL, the Colorado Avalanche on the road underdogs plus 111 underdogs for the first time this series and the Vegas Golden Knights minus 123 favorites to win this game tonight game six and move on to take on the Montreal Canadiens in the series if you have hope that the Avalanche can both win tonight and win it at home you can get plus 240 on the series line for the Avalanche minus 294 on Vegas and we've already got a line on the Islanders and the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Islanders, once again, I cash my ticket plus 195 on their series against the Boston Bruins. There you have it, plus 215 for the Islanders against the Lightning. Lightning heavy favorites at minus 263. And right now, the Lightning are the Stanley Cup favorite at plus 180. Vegas next up at plus 245. Avalanche, plus 400, despite facing elimination tonight. No respect for the Islanders at plus 650 and even less for the Montreal Canadiens who right now are at 10 to 1. But I did want to bring up the Euro odds because Euro 2020 gets going tomorrow. I believe Turkey and Italy is the first game that gets out. But let's take a look at these outrights. Um, here are your odds. And Rima, if you go right down, click on the outright so people can see. But I'd like from people in the chat, especially soccer guys, who you got here? Who have you got in this tournament? France is the favorite at plus 450. England at 6-1. to one. Belgium, interesting, plus 675. Italy, plus 775. Ronaldo and Portugal, plus 825. And I'll be honest, I mean, I'm not as up-to-date on international soccer as many. But Germany, plus 850? it's stunning. I mean, Germany, as far as I can remember, is always one of the favorites. I mean, in the top two or top three, even in world cup competitions. So to see Germany as the sixth ranked team by the odds, quite interesting. Spain, the only other team under 10 to one, they're plus eight seventy five. Interestingly enough, they're the short odds along with England and Belgium to be the most scoring team in the tournament. Not sure how that correlates. And then you get down to Netherlands, 17 to one, Denmark 24, and then the real long shots of Croatia 45, Turkey, Switzerland 70, and so on. Um, who does everyone have? We've got Portugal for Cynthia Betancourt. Tiquan Apolli's riding with Netherlands, I'd see. Uh, oh, Cynthia, yes, Germany had been dipping. Obviously, that's a little bit of a stunning number, to be honest with you, on that. Uh, if you've got any other takes on who you like to win the Euro, 
fire it up in the chat. We'll definitely have, I'm going to get Nick Ziff on at some point soon. We'll be talking about some bets and, and I know the first game is going to be going on tomorrow. We'll really focus in on the jets and the postseason comments from Sheveldayoff and Maurice. But next week, uh, we'll probably get a couple guests on to talk about the tournament, and we'll certainly get Nick Ziff on to have some fun with us with some wagering advice going into the uh, group stages, which will be going on all along. General Tom's on Germany. Akash Bally likes the Germans as well. Taylor's on Denmark. And, ooh, David Carpenter, Turkey for the long shot. And Mitch, I always throw a 10 on the Bundesliga. Yeah, well, at eight plus 875, I think I might do that. Just a blind bet on the odds of Germany because they're always quite good. Anyways, go to coolbet.com or better yet, go to our Twitter feed at Sports Talk WPG. I will post the odds for tonight as well as a link for 100% bonus up to 200 on your first deposit if you want to play with us at coolbet.com. Remo, I know you're not a big soccer guy, but considering how you just blindly walk into horse racing and started picking winners, uh, who do you have a lean right now on the Euro odds? Yes, I do have a lean. So I was uh, big into soccer in the early 2000s, and I would play this video game, uh, Red Card 2003. And um, the name is exactly what it sounds. It was like hawk. It was like you could body check anyone. You could throw people all down. My team in that game was Belgium. So I my I perk up when I see Belgium up there. So I'm going to rock Belgium. I remember a lot of the players, international players from that era as well, the 03. So look up that game. It's on PlayStation 2. You <laughs> it was the best soccer game ever because there were no rules. You could just body check whoever. Like you just tackle them. It was so much fun. It was like hockey, but copy that I could play on a PC. I'll have to take a look at that. Maybe there's an old version we can get it on a computer. I've looked to um, I lent it to a friend in like 2007, and he might have it at his parents' house or not. I haven't inquired. I it's like 20 or 30 bucks on eBay, so maybe I'll throw down and we could do a stream. You you could like tackle people. It was the best game. Instant boy downs. Yeah, he's just betting on the cooler names. He Sounds did that like- at the start. He did that at the start. And listen, he's still gonna have a, some scratch on Otani every time Otani gets out o- on the track. However, I take him. Yeah, <laughs> but but I have a feeling he's smartening up to this. He's getting some new exotic wagers, winning quinellas and whatnot. Schickster, go West Coast Eagles AFL footy. I'll be doing some AFL picks on the lock shop on Friday. We will certainly get to that as well. Jeff Cabell, sounds like NFL blitz or NFL hits exactly. Um, better than FIFA Street. I don't know. Did you ever play FIFA Street, Reem? Have you? Uh, I never that? played. I never played FIFA Street, but I, I think I might even own it, and I never opened it. But um, I love NFL Blitz. I love NHL. I love arcade style sports games. Um, you know that don't take it too seriously. Shout out to Blitz and Hits and NBA Jam and all that. <laughs> they now call it NHL Hug and Kiss, Eric. <laughs> There's a uh, Michael Capti. About- just wondering, uh, just speaking of soccer, Westy's a big soccer guy. Has Westy been on Winnipeg Sports Talk? He has. And uh, we'll certainly have him back at some point soon. Actually, during the Euro, it would be a great time to have Troy in, especially as we hopefully have a confirmed date for the beginning of CFL season next week after the Board of Governors vote on Monday. Rima, one other thing that crossed my mind, I know we had some fun talking about the Mayweather-Logan Paul fight on the weekend and the Charlizard necklace which uh, Feinberg and I yeah. chopped it up on his yeah. program yesterday. I just found out, Reem. Yeah. Sorry, let me just put on the Burmy necklace right here. Yeah, the, 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 Bur- the Burmy. Burmy <laughs> Grade 10 Young Gun. <laughs> That's right. Gotta That's put the good. gold chain on. 
That is excellent. Um, over yeah. 1 million pay-per-view buys for the Mayweather-Paul yeah. fight, which means they took in more than $50 million on this event. I think Floyd pocketed 30 of it. Um, but it will tell you, I, I, this is not a one-off. This is not a trend. I think that we are going to, like these celebrity fights and exhibition matches and YouTubers fighting TikTokers and whatnot, this is absolutely going to be the future. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a league at some point, like UFC sort of thing for Saturday nights, Sunday nights. And, you know, it's essentially a new league of not professionally trained fighters, but just people willing to fight that everybody knows that can make big money on it. I'm not, I'm not joking about this either. Yeah, people uh, want to see people get punched and stuff, so... Sure, if you want to see some washed-up celeb or athlete who played 10 years ago. Kurt versus Remus, right here, right now. Oh. You know, the the handicappers at ASD are feeling the heat because of Remus's hot start to the duel at the Downs. Wow. (laughs) I don't do every race. I don't have that kind of budget. So, look, I've been hitting them. I guess I'm beating you. We compared our totals. I think I'm up like 200 on you, so watch out. Yeah, it is concerned. It was the hot start, but I'm coming back. Hit the Quinella last night. It was a lot of fun. Um, Anyways, great show today. Really looking yeah. forward to tomorrow because we're going to be hearing from Coach Paul Maurice and Kevin Chevaldeoff. That will dominate the majority of the program. We'll also maybe touch on the Euro a little bit as kickoff is tomorrow, right around when we're on the air. Uh, but Maurice speaks at 11. Chevaldeoff speaks at 12. We speak at 1. We'll have all the comments from the GM and the head coach for you. We'll chop it up with, I'm sure we'll have a guest or two as well to break down sort of the official end of jet season with final comments from the shot callers in the organization and shovel day off and Maurice and get you ready for the weekend. And uh, maybe just maybe sharing one of these little Brown jugs with uh, some friends outside when we uh, get loosened up just a little bit coming up at the at uh, the top of the hour now or coming up this weekend i should say mm-hmm. speaking of the top of the hour three o'clock let's get out there's a link in the chat right now go over hang out with kenny and rennie they're getting going with their show coming up in just a second for everyone listening on the podcast thanks so much for being with us right till the end you give us a five-star rating if you would and a review would be greatly appreciated everyone before you leave hit that like button make sure you're subscribed great to have you all with us We'll do it again tomorrow, 1 o'clock here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Big thanks to Policy Me, Royal Sports, Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Breezy Bend Country Club, Boston Pizza, Aikens Lake, Assiniboia Downs, and CoolBet.com. Folks, have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow at 1 o'clock for a Friday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk with the latest from Paul Maurice and Kevin Sheveldaff. We'll see you tomorrow. Oh, my God! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 